Good evening, everybody. How are you all doing today? Welcome to another edition of The Sea Report. We are coming to you live on today, Friday, June 10th, ladies and gentlemen. June 10th, 2022. I'm your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Gossetus. It's great to be here with you guys tonight. June 10th, huh? June 10th. You know what that means, don't you? That means it's almost Juneteenth. Good Lord, ladies and gentlemen, Juneteenth has arrived upon us once again. Uh, you know, Juneteenth, right? We've talked about it a little bit here. You know, it used to be a uh, Texas exclusive uh, holiday. I don't know if it's correct to call it a holiday or not, but I guess it is now. It used to be Texas exclusive, although if I'm being 100% honest with you guys, it was not celebrated anywhere like south of Austin, right? <laughs> Austin's pretty even kill center, right? So, you know, uh, that it still encapsulated Houston and above, right? I don't know if it was actually celebrated west of Austin either, to be honest with you guys. Uh, I have a feeling probably Dallas, Houston, Austin. That's it. That's it. That's the only place, places in Texas that uh, they actually, um, I don't know, uh, I, I wouldn't use the word acknowledge, but actually recognized. You better recognize, right? Juneteenth. Uh, what the heck was Juneteenth about, right? You know, I, I never knew what it was. I remember the first time I experienced uh, the phenomenon. I was like, I was in Austin, Texas. I was, go I was going downtown. It was like the first year I lived there. June rolls around and uh, Juneteenth rolls around and, uh, you know, uh, you know, just your, your everyday night out at the bars, right? You just, you expect to have your average crowd of average Austin, uh, they're not weirdos over there, guys. They're all quite normal. Actually, you know, before I lived in Austin, um, I, I saw it as an oasis, as a sanctuary for the strange, the weird, the uh, eccentric, you know, um, uh, come to find out um, it, it's a bunch of it's full of a bunch of mainstream people, boring people. And the only ones over there who are weird are the only ones who have the money to afford it. Right. They were the weird ones. Right. Everyone else just listened to the radio and CNN. I mean, literally, literally. You will not find um, a city filled with more normal, everyday, average, sleeping Americans than in Austin, Texas, uh, with the caveat of them being a little bit more liberal. I say a little bit, right? A little bit more liberal um, and a little bit more uh, progressive and a little bit more democratic. Anyhow, anyhow. So I was expecting the average, uh, the average, um, uh, Austin night out, right? And and here I go, and there is j the traffic is crazy for one. Traffic is crazy this late at night, and then for two, it was packed like a festival. Except it was like a festival of like you know b ballers and uh, you know like um, I don't know gangsters and. Um, uh, you know, people with their pants halfway down their butt and hoop earrings. And it was, um, it was quite the experience, you know, a bunch of hip hoppers and beboppers, you know? So, uh, getting to my point, okay. I did not know, uh, 
that uh, Texas had an, uh, a state holiday. I, I don't even think it was a holiday that no one got off of work, you know? Uh, no one knew about it. It wasn't pushed anywhere. It was never mentioned. Unless you were in downtown, then your friends would say, hey, 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 it's Juneteenth. Don't forget. Um, carry some mace, right? Oh, man. You know, I sound, I sound so, I sound such a way right now. Uh, you'll see how I sound. Juneteenth is um, celebration of, um, well, I don't even think I have this right. It's like, it's like if, if Pride Month had a day, it would be for black people. And that, <laughs> that made absolutely no sense. Uh, it's, it's in recognition of when the first slaves came to America. I guess they came in June, right? We all know the year, though, don't we? Right? Doesn't the year 1619 sound familiar to you guys? The 1619 Project, maybe? Yeah, that's that's where that comes from, ladies and gentlemen. That's where that comes from. And uh, so Juneteenth, guys, is here, basically. Um, let me see if I can't offer you guys like a, uh, a more fitting description of Juneteenth. It is National Independence Day and also known as Jubilee Day, Emancipation Day, Freedom Day, and Black Independence Day. But let's not forget it's first officially called Juneteenth National Independence Day. Juneteenth is now a federal holiday in the United States commemorating the emancipation of enslaved African Americans. It is also observed for celebrating African American culture um, originating in Galveston, although I never would have figured that. Um, it is celebrated annually on June 19th in parts of the United States, apparently since 1865. So where did they get this 169? You know, what a conflation. They've lied about their own damn national holiday. Okay, so apparently it's 1865. So what is it with this whole 1619 project with systemic racism and, uh, you know, critical race theory and all this other crap? Well, I guess they just had to get in on the fun, you know, because uh, it was actually the 1619 Project with the assistance of Senator John Cornyn of Texas, right? The the whitest piece of paper that you will ever come across, right? Like that dude is paler than the ghosts in my machine, okay? Uh, but I guess that just goes to show that he's not a racist. Anyways, it's his fault that it became a Texas thing. Uh, and it's also his fault that it became a national holiday. Now, is it a bad thing to have, one, you know, the gays get a whole month and the blacks get what? One day in February and one day, oh wait, they have a whole month too, don't they? Never mind. Anyways, so um, yeah, Juneteenth, right? Okay, but you, you noticed it was entitled Juneteenth National Independence Day. Now, why do you think that is? That would probably be because of the 1619 Project. Now, the 1619 Project was scurrying to make Juneteenth, June 19th, you know, um, a replacement for the 4th of July, which makes no sense because 
1619 project says they came around because that's when the first African slaves hit the coast of uh, Virginia, right? And then they're saying that Juneteenth, June 19th, 1865 is going to be the, uh, the, the, the real actual Independence Day. Uh, no, they want to go June 19th, 1619. You see how that makes no sense? You know, that that should not even fly, you know, because of the fact that their year and their month and date don't even match up according to their own history. It makes no sense, ladies and gentlemen. It makes no sense. But anyways, I'm just here to warn you guys that Juneteenth is coming, okay? <laughs> now, um, I never knew... Um, what that meant, you know, because Juneteenth, like, why would you say Juneteenth, right? Uh, why wouldn't you just say whatever the date is, June 19th, uh, you know, uh, I, I, June 14th. Now you might be wondering, why do I say June 14th? Well, because, um, you know, in Austin, I think that's when they celebrated it. They celebrated Juneteenth around the 14th, okay? So that was, uh, that was a thing, you know? And uh, I was like, okay, you know, Juneteenth is here, so I guess it is June 13th through the 19th, right? I mean, a week long, you know, better than a day, right? Unless none of them could figure out what day they wanted it to be, and so then they went ahead and decided to make it the 14th, right? Because the 13th, that's a bad number. Uh, but you know what else is on June 14th, don't you? Hmm? Hmm? Hmm. Anybody know what else is on June 14th? We can make that a week-long celebration. Let me jump into the chat room while you guys think about it. Hey, Patriot 1776 how you doing tonight? Great to see you in the audience. Railing on, a good evening. Thank you for the 117 gold pills. Sean Joe with the cookie. And uh, Patriot 1776 with the cookie. Thanks, Relan. Thanks, uh, Sean Joe. Thanks, Patriot 1776. Sean Joe, hey, we're back to our regularly scheduled broadcast tonight. We got interrupted by that stupid flim-flam-sham of a uh, hearing yesterday. Uh, what, what was it? The Communist Kangaroo Court of Public Opinion against one Donald J. Trump? Uh-huh. That's what it amounted to, really. That's what it amounted to. Uh, more nails in their coffin is, I think, what it would be. Uh, good evening, Disco Ball Chaser. Thank you for dropping the links into the chat room. Hey, Casual GG 17 How's your night going? I hope it's well. Um, they get the entire month of February in addition to 6, 7... Who's... Who, see, and that's... Uh, June 17th, June 19th, June 14th. Make up your mind, right? Anyhow. Anyhow. Uh, who's they, by the way, Disco Ball Chaser? <laughs> uh, let's see. Dpatriot1776 says, uh, Warminster, Pennsylvania's... Oh, oh, okay. Well, that is a foxhole memo right there. Uh, ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. You got it right, Disco Ball Chaser. June 14th is Teflon Don's B-Day. That's right. Nothing sticks to Teflon Don quite like his birthday does. So, you know, back in the day before uh, John Cornyn made Juneteenth a national holiday, the Juneteenth National Independence Day, yeah, they, they were trying to do that, guys. They were trying to, by they, I mean the 1619 Project, so don't get it twisted. Uh, they, uh, what do you call it? Um, they wanted to, to replace the 4th of July with that. And they don't even got the right date on that. 
Anyhow, so yeah, yeah, you know, I was like, well, you guys can celebrate Juneteenth and I am going to celebrate President Trump's birthday. What you think about that, huh? Yes, you're right, Depatriot1776. It is also Flag Day. So it seems to me like the teens already have enough of a, enough of a calendar fill there. You know what I mean? Enough of a calendar fill. Anyhow, you know, I, I, will, uh, I will absolutely, Martin Luther King Day, let's get it on with that CIA operative. Let's celebrate his birthday, right? And, uh, you know, um, you know uh, Black Heritage Month, uh, you know, I'm all, I, I, get, I ain't got nothing against that. But I am not going to recognize a day that was intended to replace my Independence Day of July 4th, 1776, right? Uh, I mean, so I'm guessing that uh, the um, communists, the Marxists, want their own Independence Day. And the funny thing about it is that, like, you know, probably three quarters of them ain't even black, right? They're like, I don't know of Mexican descent, unless they're in America, then they're all like, you know, white people, which is, you know, just retarded. It's retarded. Anyhow, guys, anyhow. Ah, yes. So Tuesday will be President Trump's birthday. Huh. I wonder if we should do something special for that day. You know, just something to like drive people crazy. They'll be like, we think you, uh, take President Trump a little bit too seriously, Mr. C. Yeah, just kidding. I don't know. But yes, it is quite appropriate, Depatriot1776. How is it that the universe synced up those two dates in history? Uh, I mean, Flag Day and President Trump's birthday, you know? Uh, was there anything more appropriate? They were like, and on Flag Day, 19-whatever. <laughs> okay, on Flag Day, 1946. Flag Day, 1946. A baby will be born <laughs> with a quaff of golden hair and a complexion slightly orange. And the first words he will utter will be MAGA. <laughs> and know that he shall be the president who restores the republic. So it is written. The prophecies have spoken. The stars have aligned. Flag Day, 1946. I don't even know that Flag Day was around in 1946, if I'm being absolutely honest with you. Let's see here, guys. Let's see here, guys. A Flag Day history. Okay, all right. So Flag Day. Flag Day started in 1885. All right. So I guess we're, you know what? The, the prophecy has spoken. So it is written. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> decades before the birth of the Republic Restorationist, Flag Day existed. Oh, yeah, that's fun stuff. That is fun stuff. You know what? I don't know. We're getting off to a little silly bit of a start here on the show today because, after all, we had to sit through that hearing yesterday. I mean, we didn't have to. I, I really do appreciate everyone who was in the audience that didn't make me do that by myself. Uh, it was, it was a joke, obviously. It's, it's more nails in their coffin, like I said. And if you guys don't know what I'm referring to, obviously I am referring to the, uh, January 6th unselect committee hearing on the, uh, false flag capital riots, right? That's its official title over here at the C Report. And, uh, you know, it was a joke. You know, we had, uh, we had, uh, you know, two, uh, two loser witnesses, 
Uh, one was, uh, well, they were both bold-faced liars, and uh, one was a bad actor. We had a, uh, we had a, uh, a secession, a radical secessionist sympathizer, you know, who still had ties to the group. Uh, what was it? Uh, the, the new, the Republic of New Africa, right? And his Marxist friends over there in the state of Mississippi. Uh, Benny Thompson leading the pack as, you know, uh, it, it is so appropriate in the uh, in the uh, arena of parody and satire to have a Marxist sympathizer sitting on a uh, sitting as the chair of a kangaroo court committee that is uh, simply trying to demonize someone's, uh, you know, um, a, a pub public personality. And then, of course, you know, they're going to hope and pray you know, that like little Merrick Garland decides to like prosecute or investigate, you know, they have to go through their steps too, just like we do when we're talking about like, you know, uh, I don't know, election audits and uh, the certification and uh, a prosecution, right? They have to go through their steps too. Uh, granted, theirs will be far more streamlined, but hopefully within the next, uh, I don't know, um, two to six hearings, uh, they'll trip themselves up pretty bad, you know? Um, I mean, they, they already have, which is ridiculous, because, uh, you know, uh, is this more evidence of the bubble they live in, or is this more evidence of the uh, hubris and arrogance they have, or is this more evidence that they are just simply, merely, totally desperate and they're like, basically, they're like naked and afraid in the world of uh, media and politics because um, their new threads, ladies and gentlemen, are quite transparent, whereas their words are not and their actions are not. But, you know, uh, I'm pretty get, pretty much getting tired of staring at, you know, a naked panel of Benny Thompson's and, and Adam Schiff's and, and uh, Nancy Pelosi's and, and Liz Cheney's and, you know, uh, 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 and Jerry Nadler's. No one wants to see that, you know, but, you know, their, their clothes are quite naked. Uh, they just don't realize it, you know? I mean, everyone can debunk everything about this whole January 6th false flag riot, right? I mean, first of all, it was a false flag, you know? And so uh, it's been debunked uh, numerous of times over. And if not debunked, it has definitely been exposed for being partisan and being um, very political. Because uh, what we would have to examine in that regard, of course, is all the uh, thousands of hours of footage that they would not share with the American people. Uh, uh, and, and then just, uh, you know, uh, um, boil it down to like uh, two second action clips of everyone's crotch and a commotion. Right. And uh, apparently this uh, this uh, female officer that kept on tripping over her lines. She kept tripping over her lines, didn't, didn't she? She was falling backwards and forwards and on the lines. She could not get her lines. And then what was that? Liz Cheney was feeding her her lines. Oh, oh, and you passed out also too, didn't you? You did, right? Oh, oh, and then you, you felt sad, didn't you? You were sad, weren't you? I'll cry for you. You know, I'll cry for you. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Um, yeah. I just don't know where they find these people, but I guess you would have to search the lowest dregs of humanity in order to fill that position, right? Anyhow, anyhow. So, uh, you know, exposed, as I was saying, because of all of the, uh, who did they roll up? Who did they round up? They round up uh, innocent patriots, right? 
There was not one single Antifa in there uh, or someone who actually caused harm. I mean, yes, you had the mischievous ones, but the the operatives, you know, like that uh, that 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 QAnon guy with the shaman horns, that one, right? Uh, I should say the meth addict with the buffalo headdress. Okay, you know, obviously that guy was a paid actor. You know, I think it's he's even been identified as an actor. He has a he has a stage name or something like that. Anyways, you know, and then and then you know, of course, there's Ray Epps. I mean, we can all go back to Ray Epps, and you know, hey. You know, I mean, clearly this guy made the FBI wanted list. We've covered it. Everyone has positively identified him. And yet he is nowhere to be seen. And he's nowhere in the questioning. And yes, granted, the general public, the sleeping Americans don't know this information. But um, I don't know, maybe something about the 100th monkey syndrome will uh, get uh, them around to it. They're going to be like, I knew that, but I don't know how. <laughs> Actually, they won't know that, but what they will know, they won't know the details. Ray Epps, right? Uh, QAnon Shaman, uh, uh, the doors were unlocked, whatever. But what they will know is that somewhere in their uh, subconscious, like, you know, uh, uh, a meta, like uh, a spirit, soul, whatever, subconsciousness, uh, they'll know that, um, it was a fix or it was, it was fake or it was political persecution, right? Even though they may not have ever thought about it, or even though they might've been opposed to it back in January, you know, on the 7th, uh, cause that's probably about as much time as they focused on that event. Cause it doesn't concern them and it had nothing to do with, uh, I don't know, the Kardashians or, or, um, uh, uh, Cardi B Arthur or whatever, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, it's, they're like, yeah, yeah, we know it was a sham, you know, l- let me go back to my reality TV or uh, whatever it is that, uh, they do these days. I'm not even sure that they watch reality TV anymore. Let me go back to my Netflix and chill, right? Something like that. So, uh, yeah, you know, so there's that guys. It's, it's, it's a big sham. It's a big exposure. And, you know, as long as we're on the topic, right, we might as well get into, uh, President Trump's, um, statements because, uh, he released a, he released a battery of statements and they all had to do with yesterday's hearing. You know, I don't doubt that President Trump was live truthing that entire hearing yesterday and you'll see why i say that let's go ahead and pull the first one up oh wait well where are y'all at where are y'all at state there they are there they are okay uh let's see i guess we're gonna start at the beginning and when we get to the conclusion we'll stop first statement Many people spoke to me about the election results, both pro and con, but I never wavered one bit. Follow the facts and the proof. The 2020 presidential election was rigged and stolen. And look at our country now. Not pretty. Now, this statement, very fitting, very fitting, and it is the perfect preface to the rest of his statements, right? Because what is the other thing that this unselect committee is doing? Communist committee. They are not focusing on the reasons why we Americans showed up to the Capitol that day. Now, of course, if someone were to ask me, I'd say, well, because my president asked me to. And then, and then the next thing you know, I'd have, uh, I'd have Benny Thompson calling me and say, hey, could you say that for us at the committee? <laughs> could you say that for us in Washington, D.C., Mr. C.? You showed up because your president asked you. <laughs> but we all know that the reason why is because obviously 
We all bore witness to a, uh, a rigged and stolen election. Uh, we all bore witness to a soft coup through elections and through deception of this country. Uh, we all bore witness to the coronation of an idiot, illegitimate, um, supposed president. Oh, wait, that wasn't until the 20th. My bad. My bad. Uh, but we knew the idiot prince was in the wait somewhere, right? Yeah, he was waiting to get his crown on. So, yeah. So, that's a perfect statement to begin his onslaught of statements, truths, about last night's committee hearing. So, let's just move on to the next one. Same group that brought you the fake Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. Oh, what? Was it the same cast of characters? Well, by gosh and by golly, I believe it was. I don't remember Benny Thompson being there, right? I don't think Benny Thompson qualified for impeachment proceedings. I could be wrong. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, right? Because I'm about to go off on that. <laughs> They're like, sorry, Benny Thompson. You cannot sit on this important historical moment because, well, you know, um, we've got plenty of help. <laughs> but for this one, they needed him. Because, you know, how they like to do things backwards and, and they like to tell you and be hypocritical and laugh in your face, you know? They're like, let's get this Marxist sympathizer to lead this one, right? Let's get this, let's get this um, a radical secessionist sympathizer to lead a hearing against this radical insurrection, right? When in fact it was Benny Thompson's friends who were wanting the insurrection, you know? Uh, they were uh, on the FBI watch list, you know, as being dangerous, confrontational, and armed, right? We're talking about the New Republic of Africa, which had Benny Thompson, uh, you know, the man who was chairing last night's hearing, had they had their way, uh, they would have taken, uh, they would have taken what? Uh, Alabama through Florida for themselves, guys, and they would have made a brand new country right here in America, of course, we all know that didn't happen, obviously. And then, uh, you know, uh, Benny Thompson found his way into uh, politics, right? Well, actually, he was already a politician. He was like a city councilman or an adelman, right, in Mississippi or something like that. And then, you know, he just worked his way up the ladders there. He finally made his way to the top, chairing a committee, right? Good, good, it just goes to show you there is no racism in this country. Goes to show you. You know, we should use that against the progressive left and the uh, left-leaning radicals. How can you say we have systemic racism? Marxist and uh, secessionist sympathizer uh, Benny Thompson was just chairing a prestigious and historical hearing, right? Anyways, yeah, yeah. If he can, if he can, if he can sit in Adam Schiff's spot, right? <laughs> Um, he, th there is no racism in America. I mean, come on, guys. Anyways, uh, actually, I take it back. The only racist in America is Nick Fuentes. Okay. All right. I need to stop saying that rat's name. All right. So, uh, here we go. Here we go. Ivanka Trump was not involved in looking at or studying election results. She had long since checked out and was, in my opinion, only trying to be respectful to Bill Barr and his position as attorney general. He sucked. <coughs> Look at that. Look at that. Separating and dividing families after all these years. What the left and the Democrats and the progressives do, right? 
Oh, wait, wait, wait. The Democrat Party dividing countries and families uh, year after year, right? Look at that. Look at that. Isn't that shame, right? I mean, I mean, uh, Ivanka did lose all her princess points, but, you know, uh, to that point, you know, we actually don't know the full context of that statement. It sounds pretty uh, forward, right? It, it sounds pretty clear, you know, where Ivanka stood in that regard, right? Uh, but, you know, I mean, maybe there was more. Maybe she said something afterwards. I believed him, but I studied the election afterwards and I found out it was rigged, right? They cut that part out. Now, I don't know that, that, that she is saying that. Uh, I was watching an interview with Liz Harrington. Uh, some of you all might know who she is. Uh, she's like a communications advisor, director, or head for uh, Trump currently. Uh, and, you know, they, they were asking her, like, what is the game plan here? What's the battle plan? What is the uh, plan to attack or go on the defensive? Of course, wise words and words that are so true and words that have proven to be, uh, have proven to be a sword of accuracy is uh, the truth. The truth is going to be our weapon against any of the lies that, um, you know, this uh, unselect committee is uh, throwing upon the uh, American people in fits of propaganda and uh, discontent. And because uh, the, the idea was offered, well, why don't you all just um, force them to give you the transcripts to everyone that was interviewed? That's a good idea. I mean, that's one way to get that truth out there. I mean, if they cut and edited and, you know, uh, spliced all of their um, uh, footage, you know, kind of like they did during, uh, you know, impeachment sham hoax number two, right? When we had little Joaquin Castro, right? Or was it his twin? Any Joaquin Castro, you know, that that uh, panty boy, Democrat, progressive, uh, little representative from here in Texas, uh, um, actually used doctored evidence in a an impeachment proceeding. Like, I still don't understand how he was not disballed. I don't understand how he was not um, impeached himself. I don't understand how he still maintains an office when it was proven that the, uh, the, the evidence he used in his proceedings was 100% doctored against a sitting president. Oh, wait, Donald Trump wasn't sitting then, was he? Anyhow, that's not the point. The point of the matter is it was a lie. It was false. It was oh, fraudulent. And, well, that's San Antonio for you guys. That is San Antonio for you, okay? If you want to know what San Antonio's like and the kind of people that live here, God help me. That's the perfect example. They will use fraud. They will lie. They will cheat. You know, there's something about, there's something about the, uh, I don't know. It's weird. It's like everyone in this city has like low self-esteem and they don't give a damn about anyone else. All they care about is getting up on their own, right? And climbing that ladder. I don't know. I can't, you know, maybe not all of them are like that here, but uh, several majority of people. And it's like this, it's like this, this subconscious thing. It's not even on the surface level, right? You might think they're the nicest person, but then they do something and it's like, oh, who hurt you? Anyways, enough about San Antonio. Uh, let's get on with the next statement here. All right, let's see what this says. 
that's not supposed to be till the end. Okay. The so-called rush on the Capitol was not caused by me. It was caused by rigged and stolen elections. Now, I might have to get technical with that statement and not that I am, uh, well, actually, yeah, you know, you know, we're adults here, right? Uh, we're, we're, we're civil in our matters of discussions and points of view. I would have to disagree with President Trump. Um, but I know he's speaking for the sake of history and he's speaking for the sake of politics, right? Uh, because he can't say what I'm about to say, right? He can't say what I'm about to say, um, which is uh, everyone knows that the rush on the Capitol it was not caused by a rigged and stolen election. No, that's the reason why everyone showed up. Uh, the reason why there was a rush on the Capitol is because that was a uh, that was a fixed and um, that was a, uh, a planned, you know, event. Okay, um, and uh, you know the words spill right out of right out of my mouth in the title of yesterday's hearing: the uh, false flag Capitol riot. Okay. It was, it was a planned event. It was a production, okay? That is what caused the rush on the Capitol. And then all the other, you know, uh, patriots, Trump supporters, Americans, uh, they kind of just like uh, followed in the swell, you know? Uh, were, there, were there some of them that were probably acting a fool? I don't doubt it. Were they the ones who were smashing the windows and, and punching the cops and uh, calling for Pence to be hanged? No, okay? No, that that makes no sense. That does not fit the profile of a patriotic American by any means, you know? Uh, every single chant, every single action, every single phrase that came out of the mouths of those individuals all mirror the exact same chants, phrases, and cadence of like Antifa and Black Lives Matter, okay? You go and you look at the Portland riots, I mean the Portland loved fests, and you go and you look at, you know, anywhere where these Antifas were having their love orgies across America that set the cities on fire, and then you go back and you listen to them, and it's like they are saying the same phrases. Like, they don't know how to break the mold. They don't know how to be, uh, you know, they're stupid, okay? <laughs> these people are just so dumb. So anyways, anyways, <clears throat> that, my dear president, is what caused the rush on the Capitol. So uh, we can agree to disagree, and that's perfectly okay. You're still my president. Uh, let's see what this is here. Uh, it says, and I quote, The unselect committee of political thugs, essentially the same group who brought you the now fully debunked and discredited Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, and many others, refused to study and report on the a massive amount of irrefutable evidence, much of it recently produced, that shows the 2020 presidential election was rigged and stolen. They want nothing to do with that topic because they cannot win on the facts. Cancel and deny, call it the big lie, is all they can do. Corrupt politicians. Well, incidentally, my dear friends, uh, as this statement would have it, and, and I would recommend to anyone out there who's watching across the platforms that we're streaming today, if you have not heard of or been exposed to election fraud and all of the evidence that has uh, begun to stack and stack and stack, 
not only have we covered all of that here at the Sea Report, but we'll actually be talking about that evidence tonight. Uh, the new evidence, actually. Uh, the new evidence, uh, which actually mirrors the same evidence that's been discovered in 2020. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't know what I'm talking about, why don't you stick around, sit back a spell, because uh, we are going to talk about some of that evidence tonight. And then this way, uh, when someone uh, tells you there was no evidence of uh, election fraud in 2020 or ever, you can tell them, well, I saw this show on the internet and there was this crazy bald guy um, in a lavender shirt that actually showed me the evidence. Well, yeah, we're going to do that again tonight, ladies and gentlemen, because that is what we do here at the Sea Report. And absolutely, you know, it's like I said, uh, the unselect committee couldn't be bothered to look into the election fraud. Uh, they couldn't be bothered to listen to everyone that was sending them the reports of these other um, FBI and federal agents and plants that were included in this whole capital thing. Um, and that's not to mention any of the other paid operatives that were in the group, right? Uh, you know, we haven't even really dug into a lot of that. Like, uh, you know, you know, kind of like how Soros was paying the Antifers and all of the progressives to go out there and riot and stuff. And then they're like, Soros hasn't given me my paycheck. Like, how, well, how do we know that some of that, you know, wasn't going on there, right? How do we know that some of the uh, Zuckerbucks weren't used to pay for those fools to be there, right? I mean, they had already gotten their CTCL, like grants, hadn't they? Hadn't they? I'm pretty sure they had, right? For at least a few months, you know? At least by a few months. Not all of them spent their money right away, you know? Uh, you know, just like the BLM uh, people, they're spending it on mansions and, and stuff like that. But, uh, well, there you go. There you go. Here's another fascinating statement from President Trump. Bill Barr was a weak and frightened attorney general who was always being played and threatened by the Democrats and was scared stiff of being impeached. How do you not get impeached? Do nothing or say nothing, especially about the obviously rigged and stolen election or... To put it another way, the crime of the century. The Democrats hit pay dirt with Barr. He was stupid, ridiculously said there was no problem with the election, and they left him alone. It worked for him, but not for the country. Yeah, you know, uh, they got their way, right? They rigged their election. So why are they doing this to us? Well, it's because this is what they had planned all along, right? They had this planned all along, and uh, they just needed an illegitimate Joe to, um, 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 you know, uh, move the uh, move the speed up there a little bit, right? They're like in like uh, three three times the speed, five times the speed of what they would have preferred, and uh, yeah, that's why it's so obvious what's going on now. Uh, but Bill Barr, Bill Barr, you know. Um, uh, there's still this entire. Uh, idea, right? That Bill Barr is playing the part and he's a good guy. And, um, you know, I'm not even here to contest that notion at all anymore. All I've got to say is if Bill Barr doing what he has done and the moves that he has made were to separate, um, you know, the, um, idea that Bill Barr was actually being a political activist for President Trump, 
President Trump's doing a pretty good job of, uh, of uh, defining that role, right? I mean, look. Scared, frightened, weak, stupid, dumb, B2 bomber, Bill Barr, the beluga whale, backstabber. Oh, wait, that was me, not President Trump. Well, you know, he's doing, a, he's doing an upstanding job of creating that space, right? <laughs> Between he and Bill Barr. Uh, I don't know. That's about all I have to say on that topic, um, if that's the case, right? But we got another, oh, wait. Well, we have another Bill Barr statement coming up, but uh, apparently my, uh, my slides here got shuffled a little bit. The unselect committee has now learned that I, as president, suggested and offered up to 20,000 National Guard or troops be deployed in D.C. because it was felt that the crowd was going to be very large. Crazy Nancy Pelosi turned down the offer. She did not like the way it looked. Likewise, the mayor of D.C., had, had they taken up the offer, there would have been no January 6th. The unselects have ruled Pelosi off limits. No questions. The hearing is another political hoax to counter inflation and uh, election emancipation, right? Well, you know, revealing the fraud, the lies being the side of the Democrats, indeed. Uh, you know, and that, that point alone, right? Uh, first of all, Mr. Mr. Pres Mr. President, Mr. President, I would have to have another disagreement with you. Now, I understand for the sake of uh, optics, he makes a statement like the unselect committee has now learned... <laughs> But Mr. President, they've known this the whole time. It is now that the sleeping American population, if they actually woke up for the hearing, right? Now they have learned. But this point alone should totally um, knock the wheels off the cart of this these hearing proceedings, right? Like... The next five should not exist because um, if President Trump really intended for his base to riot and kill Mike Pence, why would he have offered 20,000 National Guardsmen to D.C.? You know, if I were President Trump, I would not even have, like, uh, offered it. I would have just demanded it. I would have been like, you know what? If you're not going to do it, I'm just going to send it. I'm going to order them there. That's what I would have done. But then what would they have said? What, what, what lame excuse could the Democrats have come up with if President Trump had forced the National Guard into D.C. that day? Like, what lame excuse do you think they would have come up with? He, he, broke, he broke the chain of command or what? Like, <laughs> he didn't follow standard operating procedures? Like, you know, what on earth could it have been? Hmm. I don't know. I would have forced them there. But uh, I guess that also was not part of the plan, right? Like, you know, even even apparently, you know, even apparently uh, these supposed white hats have a plan. I say supposed not because I don't believe that there are white hats and not because I think they're bad guys. I mean, obviously, they're white hats and black hats. I say supposed because like... Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's still one of those things that are up in the air, you know, when you have, when you have, um, when you have, um, crazy nutcrackers like Carrie Cassidy calling herself a white hat that works with the white hats and has for almost a decade, you kind of don't want to be associated with that, you know, 
Anyways, enough about, there's another name I didn't mean to drop. Whoopsie. Okay, next statement. Bill Barr. There's my other Bill Barr comment. Bill Barr was a coward who would not let his United States attorney in Philadelphia, where election fraud was rampant, to even think about looking at it. See previously posted letter from U.S. Attorney Bill Barr, uh, U.S. Attorney Bill McSwain. I believe that by their inaction, others were told this also. Of course, McSwain was proven to be a pretty big fraud, right? But uh, that's besides the point. Yeah, you want that's inaction right there, right? Offering uh, offering the National Guard that's not inaction by definition of those actions, ladies and gentlemen. It's easy to understand. Okay, we got. I told you it was a lot of statements from President Trump. Here's another one. Uh, the unselect committee did not spend one minute studying the reason that people went to Washington, D.C. in massive numbers, far greater than the fake news media is willing to report or that the unselects are willing to even mention because January 6th was not simply a protest. It represented the greatest movement in the history of our country to make America great again and to keep America first. I added that clause. It was about an election that was rigged and stolen and a country that was about to go to hell and look at our country now. Look at our country now. Should there anything else be said about that? I think we're good. So the Unselect Committee of Political Hacks refuses to play any of the many positive witnesses and statements, refuses to talk of the election fraud and irregularities that took place on a massive scale, and decided to use a documentary maker from Fake News ABC to spin only negative footage. Our country is in such trouble if they cannot see the production value that went behind this entire sham hearing. Because that is what it is, guys. It is a sham hearing. A big old sham hearing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, our last statement from President Trump takes us out of the quagmire of yesterday's train wreck. It says, just out, really bad CPI, 8.6%. Worst number since December 1981, right? Employment numbers, 6 million lower than it should be. I told you so. Should never have happened. Okay, President Trump, we've learned our lesson. Please just come back. <laughs> it's kind of what I feel like saying. But you know what? The thing about it is the sleeping Americans have not learned their lesson. <sighs> so we've got to uh, we've got to prod them a little bit. Right. I think that's where the baby formula comes in and the gas prices come in and and the uh, the high crime rates come in. Maybe something more will come in. Who knows? Right. Who knows? Okay, guys. All right, we're gonna jump into our um, we're gonna jump into our report now. Actually, the first story in our report is just one more comment 
about the uh, this committee hearing that's happening uh, currently, right? Uh, let me just jump into the chat room before we do that um, and see what you guys got. Hey, Veronique, what is going on? Good to see you. Is it Veronique or Veronique Q? No, just kidding. I know it's Veronique. Um, Veronique says, but you have, where did it go? Where did you go? Where did you go? Oh, <coughs> there you are. Uh, Veronique, where did it go? Where did you go? Now I am searching my... Okay, all right. Oh, you know what? Well, Veronique says, but you have Ivanka saying that she believes the results are are legitimate. Uh, but that was actually not the start of that conversation. So let me go ahead and wheel right back on up. Yesterday's hearing was painful and unnecessary. Yesterday's hearing was a car crash in slow motion. Hard to look away. Yes, indeed. Uh, Dpatriot1776 agrees with Disco Ball Chaser. So there you go. Awakened Mom is in the house as well. Hey, Awakened Mom, what's going on? I didn't see you sneak in there. Uh, let's see here. Awakened Mom says, Mr. C, I heard a radio interview with Elise Stefanik. She said that there are Republican representatives that are doing their own investigation. Oh, how interesting. Perhaps, mayhaps, somehow, somewhere, some way. They're going to have like their own committee hearing. That will be very interesting. That will be very interesting. Pelusi looked like a puppet and only her bottom lip moved when she spoke, probably drunk. <laughs> Dpatriot and Disco Ball, you guys is having a good time in there, aren't you? What's going on, Tam Growl? Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. <laughs> oh, who could hate you, Tam Growl? Uh, it's more, oh, and thank you for the can, by the way. Uh, it's more than that, Mr. C. Gateway Pundit connected him to Ukrainian Nazis, not kidding. Connected who to Ukrainian Nazis? Timbajet? Oh, are you talking about Thompson? Are you talking about Thompson? Interestingly, uh, interesting enough, uh, Timbajet, um, the one report story that I have for tonight's episode in regard to yesterday's uh, Shim Sham hearing uh, is actually about a Ukrainian Nazi that was running around at the Capitol, right? And, you know, we've actually shared this story with you guys before, okay? We actually shared the story of the Ukrainian Nazi that was running around the Capitol and positively identified on January 6th in Washington, D.C., twice on the Sea Report, right? Once on the uh, anniversary of January 6th and, uh, you know, uh, another time prior to that. So this is our third go-round, Okay where we're going to go ahead and remind the beautiful people out there and the sleeping Americans, uh, the sleeping beauties, about this uh, identified Nazi Ukrainian running around in Washington, D.C., um, storming the Capitol with the rest of his buddies in Antifa and all of that stuff. So funny you should mention that, Timbajet, and uh, welcome into the chat. Oh, the Oh, the horned guy. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, 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 since you mention it, are we talking about that horned guy right there, Timbajet? <laughs> the uh, the the Q Q shaman a hole, <laughs> uh, the QAnon a hole shaman non the the Q shaman on. I'm gonna call him the Q shaman on from now on. 
That's what his name is. And there is the uh, there's the Nazi there. Actually, let's go ahead and, and change our banner, right? Since we're on the topic, I am still going to go through the chat room, though. But that was a beautiful segue, Timbajet. I appreciate that. I appreciate that ever so dearly. Even Rachel Maddow said the people that breached the Capitol were not even at the ellipse with Trump. Uh, but they were like, definitely don't call Rachel, Rachel Maddow in as a witness, right? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, Timbajet, thank you for dropping the link to that article. You know, that's... Uh, <laughs> Actually, um, I used the root article for that, so I didn't use I did not use Gateway Pundit's article for this story. I used the root article, you know, the one where they got it from. Um, but they they've they've republished that story like three or four times, and rightfully so. It's like why I cover it a third time is because uh, obviously it's current. Obviously, it is. Um, it is, uh, it's important to what is happening now. It's relevant, so we're going to talk about it again. This, uh, this, uh, this, uh, uh, hair dib, 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 dibinya ninja or whatever, like his name's, he has like a D Y B Y N Y Y name, you know, anyways. And, and then this guy here, uh, Q Shamanon, <coughs> the Q Shamanon Shamanon, Shamanon Shamanon Shamanon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if anyone gets a chance, watch Trump's NRA speech, you know, you know, we, we can actually do a watch party for that. Tam Growl because uh, we didn't broadcast it because uh, it wasn't announced and I didn't uh, I didn't I did not even think to check the NRA website to see if they were broadcasting it live. So I still need to do it. So uh, anyone who wants to have a watch party for Trump's NRA speech, you know, if you saw it once and you liked that much or you think it's that important, throw one in the chat room. Anyways, um, let's see here. Uh, Oh, well, Tam Growl says I'm watching it again soon. So yeah, maybe we should do a watch party. That way Tam Growl and, and myself can see it for the first time. Wait, you've already seen it, Tam Growl. Anyways, uh, let's see here. What else do we got? Oh, oh, Timbajet wants to see it for a pick-me-up. Something tells me that we should watch it. We should have a watch party. The family getting back together again to watch President Trump give a great speech. Yeah, dpatriot1776 says those clips were play- they played were so short, who knows what she said after the statement they showed. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool, very cool, very cool. Yes, their, uh, their interviews were indeed probably edited, right? You know, most, most of what was said hit the cutting room floor. The J6 committee hired a production person for the staged uh, clown show. Indeed, they did. They wanted to make sure they got every angle exactly the way they needed it. Hey, Racing Ray 42 what's up? Welcome into the show in the chat room. Glad you're joining us tonight. Glad you're joining us. Let's see what else we got here, guys. Um, just because I see you all over there, place just asking. Oh, y'all guys, uh, you, I don't know what Racing Ray said something, but it required clarification. Let's, let's get to the bottom of that. What did Racing Ray say? <laughs> what did he, I don't see Racing Ray anywhere up here. Where did you guys, do you guys like have private messenger or something like that? Hmm. Did they add that function on, uh, on, uh, <laughs> did they add that, did they add that function on, um, 
uh, foxhole and killed. Was I not notified? Ah. It's all good. It's okay. It's okay. Um, let's see here. So, uh, where is Racing Rain? I don't see him anywhere in here. Oh, okay. Moving right along. Let's go ahead and see what else is in here before we jump into the report. Um, let's see here. What do we got? What do we got? Sorry about the dead air, podcast listeners. Okay. Um, and at that point, no one knew what Pence did or did not do. Again, I'm missing a piece of the conversation here. Um, okay, stupid election stuff, stuffs, guys. Stupid election stuff. Meta PHPM. Um, really, it never matters. It it's all fraudulent, blue and red. Bless y'all. Later. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, Meta. I'm going to assume you are um, just. Uh, Speaking to, uh, I don't know, a voice in your head. Sit right back and you will hear a tale. A tale of a frightful night. <laughs> uh, Tennessee Tim gifted the... Co- hey, Tennessee Tim, what's up? Welcome to the show. I don't think I've seen you here before. I think I have that same tie. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Uh, we must have similar tastes there, Tem- Tennessee Tim. Thank you for the cookie, Sean Joe. Much appreciated. Edwards testified that she was gassed with a chemical and taken and treated. Well, Capitol Police set off tear gas, wind shifted, went back on. The uh, entire thing was just bad theatrics. Yes, Angel Wings, indeed it was. Indeed it was. It's good versus evil. Plainly and simply it is. Uh, Bill Barr put some restrictions on uh, Wisconsin, though. And apparently Philadelphia. Uh, Wake Mom, she said that will be out hopefully soon. Hey, Blonde Blue Lady Q, what's going on? Good to see ya. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. No, sh- <laughs> no mugshot for Paul Pelosi. Yup, indeed. Heard about that one. One, two, three, SKG. Good to see you as well. Victoria, thank you for gifting the shades. I appreciate you. Much love. Um, let's see here what else we got before we get into the report. Yes, that is the Ukrainian Nazi. Indeed it is. That is he indeed. His name is Sergei Dibnia 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 or something like that. Um, let's see. Well, that's doing pretty good in and of itself. Uh, Racing Ray, you're welcome. Racing Ray 42. I don't know what I did and or said. Much love to you, Blonde Blue Lady Q. Um, and, uh, let's see here. I did not believe I said anything that required any attention. Oh, I don't know. Something about elections and, uh, the blue and the red and all that stuff. And then I would love to hang out longer. I need to get to work. Well, I don't want you to get in trouble on my account, uh, Mr. Tennessee Tim. But thank you again for stopping in and saying hello. Come on in again sometime. Uh, Very cordial civil group here. Very family-oriented chat room. You'll feel just at home if you don't already. Okay, guys. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. 
Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the C report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the C report. And thanks y'all. Okay, clock has been reset. I know you guys are like, what the heck is Mr. C doing? Uh, anyhow, okay, guys, so there we go, there we go, there we go. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure how to respond to your comment, uh, Racing Ray, about the elections and the red and the blue. Well, yes, absolutely, the red and the blue. You're talking about the two wings of the same uh, the same uni- uniparty entity of treason and deceit that's been trying to destroy this country from the inside out for decades? Yes, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with it. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, you know, yeah, you, you know, you could say this is the exact same. Yeah, it's, it's not the elections. It's the parties, which I would agree with. You know, I would absolutely agree with. But uh, it's through those rigged elections that they're doing what they can do. Because otherwise it would be an outside out. It would be an obvious and overt, you know, um, um, uh, invasion, a, a coup on the country. And, and they can't do that. They have to play everything by the book and dot their I's and cross their T's, even though, you know, the ink they use is fraudulent and the paper that they use is counterfeit, you know? Anyways, uh, but yes, uh, we can, we can um, dive into that later on. Now to begin tonight's C report, uh, we have here just the only story we're going to share, you know, again, you know, about this committee, one that's worth rehashing only because we have uh, we have these political prisoners being held uh, with with no, no no due process, it seems at all. And and, and of course, uh, in, in terrible conditions for simply walking into the Capitol. I, I know there are examples of some of them that are on camera, not even participating in the chanting and and you know the festivities of these uh these these um uh, operatives that were the primary uh cause of the um the violence they're the ones that were breaking the glass they are the ones that were you know picking up uh um podiums and walking away with it <coughs> and yet they're not getting rolled up much like Ray Epps who has been positively identified in video and on camera uh, telling everyone, we got to get to the Capitol. Oh, we're going to go storm the Capitol. Oh, we, we, you know, we need to do this. We need to do that. And, uh, you know, uh, knock down the doors and, and, and uh, being the, the main provocateur, this guy, Sergi Dibnia 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 was also positively identified. And in a stunning twist of events, he's not even American. He is Ukrainian. He is actually Ukrainian, right? He is wanted, by the People's Republic of Luhansk, right? And uh, people might be wondering, where have I heard about the People's Republic of Luhansk? Oh, that's the area that uh, um, uh, the Ukrainian armed forces, or lack thereof at the time, were killing all of the innocent people who identified as Russians, ethnic Russians, and then uh, had a referendum to separate from Ukraine, not to join Russia, but to separate from Ukraine, and then suffered genocide, right, at the hands of Nazis, right, the uh, the Nazi fascist ultranationalists, 
um, who uh, were declaring sovereignty over the uh, people of the Donbass region, that is the, uh, the Luhansk and the Donetsk, uh, you know, um, republics there and now. This man participated in the genocide. And yet he was here in America. I wonder why, you know. Uh, you know, I don't know the detail. Because when I went searching for Sergi on the internet, and no, guys, I don't use Go Ogle. Um, I, was, I was looking for Sergi to be tied to the colored revolutions over there in um, Ukraine. Uh, because uh, we certainly had color revolutionaries present and accounted for during the Capitol false flag riot, right? Their color is orange, okay? They had orange arm, badge, orange arm badges and orange uh, stickers on their helmets so that they could be identified, you know, by their other compatriots, right? So I was like, maybe the Sergi guy had something to do with the colored revolution of the Maidan, you know, in uh, 2014. You know, maybe that's why this guy is here because maybe he helped plan or participate in it. And so they're using his, his uh, color revolutionary expertise here. But, you know, all I could find was information about him being involved in the genocide of the people of Luhansk. So I was like, all right, well, you know what? That's good enough for me. He's positively identified. They know where to find this man, you know? So uh, this article I got does not come by way of the Gateway Pundit. It comes by way of uh, Yakova Pelbaum, who wrote an article that dispelled the myths and mythologies of some woman named Mary Fanning, who I don't know who that is. Uh, but here's what the article has to say about this individual, positively identified. I told you guys, his name is Sergi Dibinya Dibinya Dibinya, right? Like, uh, like, uh, how does, how does, uh, do, how does, um, um, you know, what the heck was that character's name? How does uh, Bugs Bunny say uh, WWW? No, I don't know. Anyways, I don't know how you say that name. Dibinya Dibinya Dibinyan or something like that. How about Dominion, Dominion, Dominion? We'll be talking about Dominion later on, but it says here that um, uh, Sergi Domi D Dominion, <laughs> who is hanging out with the actor Jake Angeli. How lame is that, right? It's the Capitol, Capitol False Flag Riots and uh, Insurrections uh, starring Jake Angeli, who undoubtedly named himself after uh, Angelina Jolie? No, just kidding. He put Angelina and Jolie together and he got Angelie. Anyways, uh, it, it sounds like a porn star's name or something like that. Not even a porn star's, like a um, porn star B-rate actor that did not make the cut <laughs> or something like that. Anyways, Jake Angelie, okay, otherwise known as, I'm not going to say his name because he don't deserve it. I'm going to keep his name out my mouth, right? Um, but anyways, he was hanging out with the Sergei Dibinia Dibinia Dibinia. Um, the classification of his political and operational linkage is wrong. Oh, that's because the article said he was pro-Russian. Okay, he's not. Dibinian is affiliated with members of the Ukrainian nationalist movement, some of which openly embrace extreme right-wing and fascist ideologies. Now, guys, what did I tell you they were going to do? They were going to have another mass shooting and they were going to use a Ukra Ukrainian right-wing fascist 
you know, as their stand-in guy. So they could be, look, he has a, he has a Hitler tattooed on. I told you guys they were going to use a Ukrainian national, ultra-nationalist refugee. Well, here's, uh, here's evidence of that. Well, maybe it's not specific evidence, but it's pretty damn close, right? They used a damn Ukrainian during this entire um, uh, insurrection uh, false flag. So uh, let's see here. We have some graphics here. Uh, Ukrainian Ministry of Interior is actually uh, the People's Republic of Luhansk's Ministry of Internal Affairs, who has this man marked as wanted. So here is an infographic in case you hadn't seen it. We'll take a look, see. God, where does this thing begin? Oh, here we go. There is Sergei Dabinian, Dabinian, Dabinian in service with Ukrainian army, positively identified, right? Positively identified, this man is. Yeah, and there he is with his little, uh, he, he got awarded, he was awarded, I think by Poroshenko, if I'm not mistaken. Poroshenko awarded him for his work in the Donbass, killing uh, separatists. And there he is with uh, with the Q Shamanon Shamanon. Okay, uh, for everyone who is on the podcast, we're looking at several photographs that place uh, Sergei Dabinia 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 in Ukraine. Oh, oh, look! There is uh, there there is freaking uh, that is that is that is um, um, Ihor Kolomoisky. That is Zelensky's uh, baby daddy, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, not baby daddy. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, not his baby daddy. Uh, if I, if I, they're going to start saying, you see, Mr. C believes that men can get pregnant. No, this is uh, President Zelensky's um, um, sugar daddy. Okay, there's a difference between a baby daddy and a sugar daddy. Let's not give uh, the lefties any more clout than they are attempting to maintain. But Igor Kolomoisky, who is uh, President Zelensky's Sugar Daddy um, also is the uh, Azov Battalion's Sugar Daddy and probably the Sugar Daddy of many of the other far-right extremist Nazi battalions and outfits in Ukraine, okay? Uh, I was like, why does he, why do we have Ihor? Oh, I forgot. He's the sugar daddy. He's the one who, uh, he's the one who's, uh, who, who uh, um, uh, spits up the payroll for these guys, right? So anyways, that's why he's featured here, because um, um, this Sergei Dabinia 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 is wearing the Kolomoisky shirt, right? And that was not um, photoshopped. Anyways, all top TV channels belong to oligarchs. Ihor Kolomoisky owns One Plus One Tet, or T-E-T, which is actually the same channel where President Zelensky uh, became a famous actor uh, doing his uh, presidential role in that, uh, uh, that uh, love drama comedy thing here. And, you know, there you got Poroshenko and other Ukrainian, um, Ukrainian uh, um, oligarchs, Viktor Medvedchuk. What a name, right? Anyways, we don't really need to pay attention to that. On January 7th, um, uh, the One Plus One TV station owned by Ihor Kolomoisky, oh, you guys can't see that. There it says, um, um, claimed that social networks have already seen a Russian trace in organizing riots in the United States. So you have Ukraine also blaming it on Russia and then probably using uh, their, their, um, their uh, Dabinia, Dabinia, Dabinia man 
as evidence that he, we had Russians in uh, Washington on that day. Russian chants heard in video of protesters storming the Capitol. Nope, it was Sergei. It was not Russians. It was Ukrainians. Oh, do we need any more proof that Ukraine has colluded with Americans, right? Maybe, hopefully, uh, if Awakened Mom is correct in her statement, maybe Elise Stefanik will feature all of this information as well. <laughs> and then we can have Ukrainian, Ukrainian, Ukrainian collusion. Wouldn't that be interesting, huh? Would not that, I'm not going to read all of this stuff here. Mm-hmm. But it's more about this Russia propaganda in Washington. So very interesting that, wouldn't you think, fair audience, for all of ye who are also in this audience with me? Well, I got something even better for you guys, all right? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we do this, let's finish with the article, okay? Take me back. Okay. So let's finish with the article. There's, it's not a very long article. A lot of the, the article we actually skipped because this article was actually a debunk of another article. But we're going to focus on the Sergei Dabinia, Dabinia, Dabinia information because that's what we want to uh, feature right now. Okay. So again, he was wanted by the uh, People's Republic of the Luhansk Ministry of Internal Affairs. They had a wanted sign out for him. So it says the actual identity of Sergei Dabinia <clears throat> um, is a, uh, uh, sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to omit all of this Mary Fanning information. Uh, oh, it's, it's, it's a caption for the image above. My bad. Okay. So it's not a functional sentence. Would you, well, I guess we'll, we'll look at this infographic as well, since it uh, popped up out of the blue. All right. So let's look at this infographic as well. Uh, he, whoa, what is going on here? What is going on here? Okay, it says, uh, assault on Donetsk airport. Okay, so Dabinya is also in a feature film uh, where he's in Ukraine, and they're talking about the Donetsk where he's been killing Ukrainians. The crew of the inter-TV channel journalist Ruslan uh, Smeshuk and cameraman Sergei Dabinyan spent two days at Donetsk airport and participated in defense of the DAP on September 14th, 2014. The story was aired on inter-TV channel on September 29th, 2014. Jeez Louise. Okay. And, uh, where did it go? <laughs> ah! And, uh, let's see here. Oh, there we go. And, uh, the coverage was completely pro-Ukrainian, okay? So there's the debunk, and this man was definitely in Ukraine. There is Sergei Dabinia, 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 and Ruslan Shmishak storming the Donetsk, okay? Aired on 927. There's some more evidence of, uh, Rulan Shmishak's, um, affiliations. Here's more uh, photographs of, um, or probably of the film, right? There's Shmishak again. He looks, <laughs> he looks like Boren jo Boris Johnson's child. Anyways, okay. More information, more information, more photo information, photo infographics. Okay. We're not going to go through all of this, obviously, because time is of the essence. More Shmishuk stuff, more Shmishuk stuff, okay? More Shmishuk, and, and more information, more information. 
Okay, let's get it. Let's get out of here because that is not pertinent to tonight's report. What is pertinent to tonight's report is Sergei Dabinia Dabinia Dabinia's um, um, involvement here. Now, y'all, everyone's gonna be like, "Why do you keep calling him Dabinia Dabinia Dabinia?" You're gonna give everyone the wrong idea. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce the name Dabinianin. Dabinianin. Okay, you know it's hard for some people to roll their R's, and it's hard for some people to say the word, the letter, to pronounce the vowel Y with the consonants like back to back. Like you know, it's hard. Okay, anyways, a deeper dive into Dabinianin. And three other related individuals wanted in the LPR arrest warrants. All four are Ukrainian nationalists. Roman Bochkala, one of the wanted men, is a U.S. Peace Corps volunteer in Ukraine who visits the U.S. regularly and has attended training in the United States via the Open World Program. Interesting. He also seems to be frequent flyer on various U.S. military aircrafts. If you are still convinced about what these people really think about the Russians, check the messages on Roman's right hand bandage. Okay. So anyways, there you go. That's, that's the Gateway Pundit's root source for their article. Sergei is Ukrainian. He's positively identified and yet he is not being extradited to the United States of America to stand trial for his participation in the supposed insurrection. But I guess they cannot get him extradited because... If they were to do that, then it would just come out that it was a sham, right? It was a big old sham. But here is evidence for anyone who believes contrary wise to the fact that it was a false flag. That it was a false flag, okay? I could have done Ray Epps, but you know what? I figured why not do Sergei and give him another spot, in the, another spotlight, another chance in the spotlight. Uh, actually, what we're going to do now is do something even better. We're going to show you guys some footage of Dabinia, Dabinia, Dabinia running around Ukraine shooting at Ukraine, at Russians, Russian-backed separatists, that is, uh, from the People's um, 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 Republic of Luhansk. Um, this is the footage, right? It's, um, it's only five minutes worth of the whole thing featuring Sergei, right? In case you, any doubt, doubting Thomases out there, in case any doubting Benny Thompsons out there, uh, did not believe that he was actually in Ukraine participating. Actually, you know, uh, a fun fact, the, uh, the, um, um, the footage we're about to see where they're, they're fighting at the airport, in 2014 was actually the was actually the battle that gave the Chechnyans the Chechens their feared um their feared uh, re uh reputation right like uh fierce as a Chechnyan warrior right comes from this actual battle um where they gained their reputation at being merciless and uh um terrifying warriors of Russia Right. And uh, fun fact. Anyways. OK, so uh, let, let's just take a gander. Um, uh, and I do apologize outright to those who are um, listening on the podcast. You are about to get um, uh, an earful of Russian and Ukrainian. There are no and I repeat, no subtitles. So even my uh, po even my live stream audience is going to suffer a little bit. Because they're going to be wondering, what the heck are these people saying? Well, this was aired on Ukrainian TV. There are no subtitles. Just, just focus on Sergei and everything will be okay.
Защитники Донецкого аэропорта, кадровые и добровольческие подразделения. В сложнейших условиях эти парни раз за разом отбивают атаки боевиков. Те даже прозвали их киборгами. Сейчас мы проезжаем на территорию Донецкого аэропорта. Добраться туда более-менее безопасно можно только внутри бронемашины. Ехать тут, в принципе, достаточно недалеко, всего несколько километров, но эта территория периодически обстреливается боевиками. Здесь работают диверсионно-разведывательные группы боевиков. Без брони живым сюда не доехать. Как только добираемся в аэропорт, начинается обстрел. Ну, кажу, стреляют постоянно, перерывов не бывает. Вот и сейчас вы чуете. Вот, а так вообще. Да, бачите, блядь, побачили, короче, что мы вышли и стали мины класть сюда. Ну, а так можно жить. Коллектив, пацаны такие, блин, все. Наклали тех уродов, блядь. Ну, это такие. На территории аэропорта то тут, то там тела убитых боевиков. Силовики предлагали ДНРовцам забрать своих погибших. Даже гарантировали прекращение огня. Но те не забирают. Особенно много тел возле диспетчерской башни. За нее постоянно идут бои. Вышка важна тем, что имеет господствующую высоту. С ним можно спокойно все осматривать и оглядывать. Местность. Плюс она является форпостом на въезде и выезде в аэропорт. Мимо не сказать, как это дорога жизни. То есть туда и обратно. Заходим в башню. Опять начинается обстрел. На этот раз, скорее всего, работает зенитка. Пока относительно спокойно, бойцы показывают, как они живут. <laughs> I wasn't seeing Sergey. All right, Sergey is Sergey. <laughs> uh, pardon me, pardon me. You can't say things like that during the month of June, Mr. C. Uh, Timbajet, thank you for gifting the can. Uh, Timbajet says Max Blumenthal laid out a bunch of names on the gray zone today. Mr. C, very interesting CIA involved. Um, are you talking about the gray zone as in the area where the neo fash the neo Nazis were like um, like uh, hanging out? Uh, uh, that's where you know because when uh, you had this whole battle going on, it was like you know you had the um, the separatist side and then you had the Ukrainian side and there was a gray zone right <laughs> where they did their fighting. That's what it was called the gray zone. So that's what I think you're talking about. But you know, I'm not surprised. You know. I could not find the article that talked about the generals and the, the re retired or not, the, mil the American military people, but also, you know, there was also Canadian and United Kingdom British uh, who were actually over there advising the Nazis. Craziness. Craziness. Um, let's see here. Uh, don't write off uh, Q Shamanon. He was having his pictures taken with a lot of people. My gut says innocent guy. Um, 
My gut says um, he's a paid actor. He was. He, uh, my gut says he was paid to be there. And not only did my gut say that, so did my C-Sense when he walked right by me. I was like, ooh, I got like the heebie-jeebies. Ah, no. Um, anyhow, there's footage of it, but supposedly it's, it's, it's gone now. Anyways, you'd have to ask a Q&A. Um, let's see here. Um, I never stated anything red or blue. I don't know. Was I not seeing your... <laughs> was I not seeing your comments? I might have been seeing someone else's comments. My bad. Um, I'll have to go back and review them some other day. <laughs> I don't know what I was reading. Anyhow, okay. Uh, all right. So, yes. Uh, thank you again for the can and let's move along. Oh, 123SKG says, my neighbor is Ukrainian. She believes the Nazis are Russian-backed by Putin. Whoa. She is trying to get her family to the United States. Well, you know, I definitely, uh, I definitely uh, feel for her, her family, and I hope they do as well. But how what an interesting turn of events, right? The Nazis who are in the army and who are in government and who have been committing genocide against Russian eth- ethnic uh, people put them there. I don't know. That's that is a twist right there. One, two, three, SKG. That is for sure. Anyhow, um, I do, if, if I do say so myself, um, for that, uh, Timajet about the CIA, I, you know, I'll have to look into that and, and see if I cannot, um, <clears throat> see if I cannot, uh, include that on my next Russia report. Um, so, uh, cause we'll still be doing Russia reports guys, as long as this conflict is going. And, uh, I mean, there's no telling when it will be over. No telling when it will be over. How do I get this out of full screen? Oh, I forgot because it's actually part of. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to wrap it for our uh, January 6th, you know, uh, in your face. Here's evidence. You're wrong. Okay. That'll move us to our next story. Let's get into more interesting topics than what the January 6th clowns are doing up there. Let's talk about elections, ladies and gentlemen. Some good news on the election front. I should say the election integrity front. The exposure of the election fraud front. Um, It appears yet another county in these United States of America has decided to give Dominion voting machines the boot. All right. So on the heels of the Otero County, New Mexico election audit that took place last month, um, or I should say the hearing took place last month. The audit itself lasted from um, um, January through uh, the month of May. They had their hearing at the beginning of the month of May uh, in front of their board of commissioners. Excuse me. And uh, after uh, that hearing, it appears that uh, the uh, commissioners of the county of Otero have voted unanimously to remove Dominion voting systems from their county for elections. So good work. Awesome. Let us have a round of applause for the commissioners of Otero County. Uh, that wasn't the only move that they made, to be honest with you guys. Uh, what am I looking at here? Uh, let's take a look at this article. Otero County asks to nix tabulators, drop boxes amid the audit findings. Ah, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Let's take a gander, guys. This is great information. 
this is a photograph from the hearing that took place earlier in May. It says, on Thursday, the Otero County Commission held a full day long meeting to consider and act upon agenda items to secure elections in the county. The items which all passed unanimously um, will request approval to hand counting all ballots cast inside the Dominion voting system to verify vote counts of, ma of machine after the June 7th primary. So at least in Otero County that will be taking place. It will request approval to discontinue the use of Dominion voting machines before the 2022 general election or primary, I mean a midterm, and it will request approval to remove all election ballot drop boxes from the public square in an attempt to secure our election in 2022. Throughout the meeting, uh, which featured New Mexico Audit Force leaders Professor David Clements and Aaron Clements, a handful of leftist attendees constantly interrupted and interjected throughout the consideration of new facts presented. Some of the new findings included stray marks on ballots counted as votes, possible fraud slash digital manipulation, ghost votes, people who voted but do not live at registered addresses, and potentially other issues with Dominion tabulator machines. County Clerk Robin Holmes had to be brought into the meeting in which she once again defended the alleged security of Otero County's elections. When presented with evidence of dead people voting in elections, as well as people registered at empty lots, Holmes insisted we can't go out to all of our 30, 37,000 registered voters and go door to door. Regarding alleged fraudulent activity found by Clements, Holmes said, if, you're, if they're doing this and they're finding this information, I'm saying, show me. Aaron Clements already has provided around 200 addresses and voters that have issues. More are being processed and delivered to Holmes and her staff. There are also open inspection of public records acts requested requests by Commissioner uh, Coy Griffin that have so far gone unanswered by the county clerk's office, according to Griffin. Another topic of discussion involved Dominion tabulator machines having access to the internet and having the ability to print on ballots. David Clements said to Holmes, if we're wrong about remote access of these machines, let us look at the machines. Commissioner Vicki Mark, 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 Mark Hart even said she might vote against the canvas on June 7th primary election that just occurred over questions involving the Dominion machines. Uh, time will tell if the machines, ballot drop boxes, and hand counts will occur. Um, and that was the commissioner's meeting. Now, this is the one that we saw. Oh, no, this is, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, this is the June 9th meeting. Oh, I have not seen this one. Sorry, I'm fast forwarding through it to see the information. Don't you say a word. I am not. Okay, there we go. And uh, let's see here. Okay, now this is as I suspected. This is what I thought. Okay, so the article said it was a day-long hearing on... It wasn't a day-long hearing on elections. The reason why I say a day-long is because the runtime of this commissioner's meeting is seven hours long, okay? So I'm like, dang, that's a long time. So they were going over a whole bunch of other issues, not just what was covered during the um, 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 Otero County audit 
hearing, okay? Uh, for example, this is uh, um, an address of the uh, critical race theory, you know, in uh, Otero County schools. So yeah, it had there was a lot more going on here than just the elections, okay? But they definitely did have uh, new information about uh, Otero County elections. So I'm going to have to review that and maybe I will, uh, well, I'll call it a watch party, but really what it will do is it will be a clean cut to archive on my Rumble channel and also on my Foxhole channel as well. So that that's good to know. All right. And it's interesting because today I was actually um, trying to finish uh, an article I'm writing about a situation in Otero County. Uh, but since this article is actually like, it seems like it predates... Interesting enough, that's the information that we got from there. So what I am going to do now is I am actually going to pull the Gateway Pundit article because I'm curious if they have verified and confirmed information that these Dominion voting machines were voted out because that's what their headline says. But that's not what the information on this article says. So I'm quite curious... Uh, let's see here. Otero County. I'm just checking my work <clears throat> and other people's work. Uh, let's see here. Dominion. And uh, let me just go to the Gateway Pundit. All right, Pundit of the Gateway. Show me where it hurts. Ooh, there's some new Michael Gableman drama. I'm going to have to... Uh, Look into that. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. As we move along to this article by the Gateway Pundit. All right. Where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? I know you're here somewhere. It's brand new as of today. <clears throat> brand new. Oh, actually, I think it was actually, I think it was published late in the evening yesterday. Benny Thompson, let me tell you about that radical supporter, that's, that uh, radical separatist Marxist sympathizer. Okay, so yeah, it says here, Otero County, New Mexico votes to remove Dominion voting systems, Zuckerberg drop boxes, and other election machines. Uh, the Otero County Commission had a long day of discussion and reports today. Then they landed upon the issue with the 2020 election. They voted to, well, they voted to eliminate, but it has not been eliminated yet. Has it? Request approval to discontinue the use of Dominion voting machines before the 2022 general election. Uh, Well, you know, I guess that is a correct assessment, is what I would say, because the the commissioners have to decide. I mean, the, the request of approve, uh, the request of approval is what I'm like getting stuck on. Who are they? I guess they would have to request that from the um, Secretary of State Maggie Toulouse Oliver. But if they're making the request. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's federal, state, you know, county, city, you know. So I would say the commissioners have more weight on that decision than Maggie Toulouse Oliver. Anyhow, well, you know, I will keep my eye on that to see what happens, guys. But that is good news because, again, just like, what was it, um, 
Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee in, uh, in um, the county's name is Will Williamson, Williamson County, Tennessee. They also, they are, they've already removed Dominion voting machines actually from Williamson County, Tennessee. Uh, but let's go on to our next story. We're also going to be hanging out in New Mexico for our next story. Um, and, uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it features this wretched swamp creature, otherwise known as the Secretary of Snakes for New Mexico, Maggie Toulouse Oliver. Maggie Toulouse Oliver. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, believe it or not, were actually paying attention to the Otero County um, for, um, election audit proceedings, guys. And it's captured the attention of a lot of individuals, particularly in New Mexico, and it's it's starting to make its rounds on the um, you know national level, but uh, uh, apparently Maggie Toulouse Oliver uh, was called out by several of the candidates who were on the primary midterm ballot uh, because um, you know I guess they just do people dirty in New Mexico, right? The article that I'm writing has to deal with the um, has to deal with the illegal drop box that was discovered in uh, Doña Anya County. Um, which is Santa Fe, basically. Uh, and, it, you know, just just gathering the information for that article, it appears they just do people dirty in New Mexico, right? Like they have no respect for their constituents, right? Uh, so here is uh, a little bit about that, um, that uh, shout out to the uh, Secretary of Snakes. Now, like I said, it came from several candidates who were on the primary ballot. Uh, so here you can see... Here you well actually here you can see guy oh, sorry I'm like what is that here are the signatures right these are the uh, these are the the candidates who are seeking um, um, basically a fix to um, some of the uh, election systems that um, Maggie Toulouse Oliver employs in the state of New Mexico like here are all the signatures okay so if you want to know who they are uh, it's a uh, J Block candidate for governor. Uh, Craig Davis, candidate for magistrate judge. Pete Golden, candidate for sheriff. Lawrence Griego, candidate for county assessor. Joshua James Ryan Lawrence, candidate for sheriff. Ethel, uh, Ethel Maharg, candidate for governor. Patrick Mooney, candidate for sheriff. Martin Rivera, candidate for sheriff. Ray Sharbutt, candidate for magistrate judge. Audrey Trujillo, candidate for secretary of state. Judy Young, candidate for county commissioner, and Gregory Zanetti, candidate for governor. Now, um, New Mexico's um, election was this past Tuesday, okay? So I, I have not fished into the results for any of these candidates, but let's take a look at what they were asking of their current secretary of state, who is also up for re-election, hmm, right? Um, it says here, Dear Secretary Toulouse Oliver, it has been brought to our attention that your office purchased a licensing agreement for rank choice voting by Dominion Voting Systems Incorporated. As you are aware, Santa Fe County and Donia Anna County are the only counties having cities within their jurisdictions that have chosen to use rank choice voting in local elections. We are in possession of a copy of a system log report from Chavez County that reads show combinations of RCV rank voice choting rank choice voting 
uh, contests on the report. Chavez County is not supposed to be using the rank choice voting feature, but the system log reports suggest otherwise. Oh, can we say this is possible fraud happening in uh, New Mexico? Oh, well, I mean, let's just say it. Otero County found that in spades. The same system log report lists the following error several times throughout the log. Warning, verification wrong MBS version 5.2.17 expecting 5.24. This error appears to be recording the fact that different versions of software are installed on the tabulator and the central elections management system computer. This error did not alert or require any action on the part of election administrator who continued to process the election. This is extremely worrisome as a similar software mismatch was proven to have a catastrophic effect on an election in Michigan County in 2020. Given the above information, we request written assurance from you that rank choice voting is not on any electronic devices to be used for the pr primary election this year, including your laptops at county warehouses. Time is of the essence on this important matter. Please respond accordingly. And uh, signed all of the candidates that I listed. Now, I have it on word from the New Mexico elect, uh, audit force that as of today, Maggie Toulouse Oliver still has not responded to these candidates. An utter, utter sign of disrespect. And, uh, and uh, they already had their elections. It was this past Tuesday, guys. So chances are ranked choice voting is being used on all of the election machines in the state of New Mexico. And chances are that all of these machines are also using the wrong Microsoft software, which was also pointed out during the Otero County election audit. And the fact of the matter here is, guys, they did not have access to the machines for that, uh, um, for that audit, okay? <clears throat> the only reason why they know that as a fact is because Otero County uses the same make and model Dominion voting machine as is used in Antrim County, Michigan, where uh, um, Mr. Clements or Dr. Clements or uh, Professor Clements, whatever he is, um, was in charge of doing the audit in Mission uh, Antrim County, so very information, very interesting information that, and it all just circles back with Dominion voting machines, guys. Oh, it circles back hard. Now, uh, there's that. If I get any more information about what happened here, I'll make sure to inform you all. But let's take another look at Maggie Toulouse Oliver. Um. She comes from the same stock as uh, does Jocelyn Benson and Jenna Griswold and and Katie Hobbs, right? They all hang out together at, um, you know, uh, uh, Jenna's, um, you know, retreat in Aspen. No, I don't know if that's a fact. But uh, when we're talking about the secretaries of state that were born out of the secretary of state project, which was a George Soros uh, funded operation, they all come from the same cesspool, ladies and gentlemen. <coughs> and uh, we've seen Maggie Toulouse Oliver 
We saw the dirty tricks that she did to the um, New Mexico audit force when they were doing their audit. We saw all of the lies that she continues to spill. And, and also, in fact, through the New Mexico audit forces investigation uh, and through um, um, Freedom of Information Act requests from the state, they discovered that this woman, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver, was also... Um, working with nonprofit organizations and Democrat operatives in what looks like voter data manipulation. In fact, it doesn't look like that. It, it, it clearly is that. When Maggie Toulouse-Oliver, Secretary of State, is, um, is, is um, volleying um, voter count totals between she and two Democrat operatives, and, re and emails review reveal that the reports have stark, stark discrepancies. We're talking like 70% um, of the vote in Santa Fe County is present and accounted for at 11 a.m. Maggie Toulouse-Oliver gets the report, sends it over to someone else, and then all of a sudden, that report shows 0% of the vote was present at 11 a.m., and then uh, stunning vote increases, like all of a sudden 20% of the uh, county in Santa Fe, New Mexico voted at 3 p.m. How can 20, I mean, that's a lot of people to show up and vote at one time, 20% of any number in the thousands and thousands of people. Right. I mean, just to show up at the polls means like the lines were long and the lines went around the buildings for hours. Precincts were overwhelmed because 20 percent of our voting population showed up at one hour to vote. It makes absolutely no sense. So and, you know, this is going between, you know, operatives for the Democrat Party and for nonprofit organizations, non-governmental organizations that these, uh, these data manipulations were coming from. Okay, so what's the deal, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver? Are you an activist Secretary of State? <coughs> One would think so, ladies and gentlemen. And I found this interesting article, this interesting article that actually was published in 2019 that asks the question, is Maggie Toulouse-Oliver the fox guarding the hen house. Let's not forget, uh, just, just as like, you know, a non-trivial but interesting factoid. She's a secretary of state. She has the final say as the highest acting official for elections in her state. So not only is she privy to being able to rig her own election, which it seems like she did, um, the Democrat operative that she was ferreting um, voting information, voting data and reports to, was also a candidate for the Democrat Party. That's pretty bad, guys. That is pretty bad. So when they say fox guarding the hen, guarding the hen house, perhaps they really do mean exactly what they say. Let's take a look at this article. It comes from uh, johnfornm.com. Yesterday, Secretary of Snakes Maggie Toulouse-Oliver announced her bid for United States Senate despite being up against Representative Ben Ray Lujan, Lujan the fourth-ranking Democrat in Congress. Keep in mind, this is 2019, guys, right? 
So she's still Secretary of State, but apparently now I guess she's uh, decided to stay in that. Oh, or maybe she's still. Anyways, it says, um, it seems odd how confident Oliver comes across about her campaign, entitled even, especially with her deep-pocketed, well-connected competition. What does she have to be so overtly cocky about? But then it hit me. Of course, Maggie is confident in her bid for U.S. Senate. No other person in New Mexico has the authority she does to oversee elections in the state. If anyone were to have the power to suddenly add or subtract votes to a candidate's tally, it would be her. So I misspoke. She's not up for re-election. She's up for election in a Senate race. Now, by no means am I implying Oliver would rig an election, but many anomalies have been found under her leadership. Now, this is 2019, guys. This is pre-Otero County expose. Last election in New Mexico's very tight second congressional district race, it just so happened Republican Yvette Harrell was up in the vote count late in the evening. However, the Secretary of State's office announced that ballots would cease to be counted until the next morning. Wait, 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 wait. This was 2019, y'all. This was pre-COVID conditions. Hmm. Seems like Maggie Toulouse Oliver might have already had the system down for the 2020 election. However, the Secretary of Snakes announced that counting would be stopped until the next morning. From the time counting stopped to when it resumed in the morning, there would be ample time for the outcome to flip. But it organically, be it organically or by the hands of the vote counters. Lo and behold, the next morning, ballots were miraculously found for Democrat Zoshi Torres Small in counties where Small lost handily, such as in heavily Republican Eddy County, only receiving 30% of the vote. But her absentee number was a much higher 54.7%, close to double. According to the report conducted after the election, these anomalies are not simply organic, Reviewing the historical returns in the CD2 district over the last five election cycles, the same degrees of variation between absentee votes and EV slash ED votes do not exist in CD2 in any cycle. That's early vote or uh, election day votes, guys. Uh, do not exist in CD2 in, uh, that's county district two, in any cycle to the degree found in the 2018 race. Other major anomalies occurred, but the most malevolent of them is the 25% of absentee voters who requested ballots in Doña Anya County never returned them, a number that rarely reaches 5%. According to the report, it is probably the strongest purely statistical red flag present in this whole election of the possibility that someone was submitting absentee ballot applications for Democrats. There is also a significantly high number of duplicate applications where one voter supposedly submitted more than one absentee ballot application or submitted an absentee application after the absentee ballot had been received. Or the voter had voted in person. In many of these cases, the signature on the duplicate applications do not match each other. Since Zoshi Torres Small is now sitting in Congress and Yvette Harrell is not, you be the judge if the election was stolen, despite the major anomalies occurring across the board in the 2nd Congressional District. Maggie Toulouse Oliver is the chief election official in New Mexico, and it is under her watch that election meddling seems to happen in this race. 
if this is indeed the case, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver could hypothetically help her own U.S. Senate bid against Ben Ray Lujan in the Democrat Party. This may or not be a reason she seems so confident in her long-shot race. Maggie's political activism while in office. Despite Oliver's job requiring her full impartiality in elections, she has meddled, in, meddled time and time again to try and secure her party more electoral victories. Most notably, she lost a New Mexico Supreme Court case um, where, she attempt, where she attempted to reinstate straight party voting in the state. However, it was ruled unconstitutional. Maggie Toulouse-Oliver also helped Shepard through a bill, this legislature, that instituted same-day voter registration, even going so far as to pen an op-ed about it in New Mexico Political Report, a left-wing media site run by Progressive New Progress, Progress Now New Mexico, with the instatement of same-day voter registration. It leaves open a massive void for a vast election fraud, especially since thousands of people cannot be vetted and put into the state's system at the time that unregistered persons show up to vote. The same-day voter registration leaves open possibilities for massive voter anomalies, much like what we saw in the second congressional district race, where it's highly likely that vast election fraud occurred. Most recently, Oliver has thrice rejected a citizen petition for a referendum to reverse New Mexico's recent pa recently passed overreaching firearm background check law. This rejection comes after 29 of New Mexico's 33 counties passed Second Amendment sanctuary resolutions, clearly the will of the people to not have burdensome, unconstitutional gun-grabbing laws. Thrice rejected! Toulouse Oliver did for that petition for the referendum. Republican House Leader Representative Jim Townsend said that if the Secretary of State thinks she can dispatch a couple of letters and make this issue go away, she's wrong. I'm going to continue to uh, continue my fight to allow new Mexicans to have a direct say on this far-reaching legislation that will restrict their constitutional rights. Every option is on the table. Gun owners continue to fight Oliver's bureaucratic stubbornness, especially since the gun-grabbing law is wildly unconstitutional. It is her duty to listen to the will of the people, but since gun owners are not traditionally in her extremist left-wing base, she ignores them. Oliver's political biased Bias against conservatives proves she cannot fairly oversee New Mexico's elections, much less her own for the U.S. Senate. Given Maggie Toulouse Oliver's overtly political crusades against con conservatives while in office and her extremist left-wing agenda to back the Green New Deal, support abortion up to birth, and get behind a socialized Medicare system for all, her actions in office substantiate the concerns of many New, Me New Mexicans that her political uh, opportunism is clouding her judgment as our state's chief election official. Her eerily similar announcement video to that of Joe Biden invoking images of white supremacists in Charlottesville, North Carolina, raises questions about coordination with other highly polarizing candidates also. Look at that frickin' look at those child chompers. Look at this man-eater. She looks like a shark, ladies and gentlemen. Posing as a snake, a secretary of snakes. On Wednesday, Republican Party Chairman Representative Steve Pierce called for Oliver's resignation, saying, as the state's chief election officer to loose, 
is too loose with her leftist ways. No, uh, Toulouse Oliver should not make voters question the integrity of this election by overseeing a high stakes primary election in which she is a candidate for another office. Oliver's involvement in overseeing her own Democrat Party and general election bid to be the next U.S. Senator from New, from New Mexico is a blatant conflict of interest. And I agree with Chairman Pierce in calling for her immediate resignation. Voting anomalies like that, occur, like those that occurred in 2018, must be avoided at all costs, as the election must be carried out as impartially as possible. There are absolutely no signs that Toulouse Oliver has clear eyes on a fair election. It is of the utmost importance that she steps aside as Secretary of State, for her political bias is more apparent now than ever before. The Fox may indeed be guarding the hen house in this election, and if Maggie Toulouse Oliver is allowed to preside over her own primary, we are looking at the possibility of rampant voter fraud ultimately leading to her unlikely victory in her primary. This is highly unlikely event it, that New Mexicans will come out in droves for a Secretary of State riddled in scandal over a long-time congressman simply because she is a woman does not add up with reality. There's a smell of potential fraud in the air, and if something doesn't happen to stop Oliver from presiding over the next election, we all will have to pay the consequences for decades to come. Crazy article there on uh, Maggie Toulouse Oliver, right? Ugh. She looks like she smells, ladies and gentlemen. She looks like she smells. <clears throat> So, uh, well, I guess we'll see. Maggie Toulouse Oliver is apparently she's jumping ship, right? Because um, they done found her out. So she's going to try and move on to U.S. Senate, right? And, um, well, all I got to say about that is that um, she wasn't smart enough nor skilled enough in deception to keep, you know, her office safeguarded from um, auditors or people who doubted the work of the elections. I should say who doubted the uh, security, accuracy, and, um, <coughs> um, you know, um, integrity of the elections. Not like Brad Raffensperger. So Maggie Toulouse Oliver is going to jump ship and hopefully she won't get in trouble, she thinks, since she's in a new office and that was in the past. You know, yeah, she wasn't as skilled as Brad Raffensperger. Brad Raffensperger has held on, you know. So while she moves on to greener pastures, Brad Raffensperger might be facing the music. Which brings us to our next story for tonight. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The Sea Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecereport.com. At thecereport.com, you can get more information on The Sea Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecereport.com, that's www.thecereport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net.
So uh, our next story for tonight, again, uh, talking about the election fraud that is now being unraveled in the state of Georgia right now for the Georgia primaries. Okay, Uh, we can say this more declaratively than we can about Pennsylvania, because you guys know when it comes to Pennsylvania, I'm like, I told you the Republicans are doing it, too. Right. Well, let's not focus on the parties for now and let's focus on the fraud, okay? Because what has happened here in Georgia is that we have discovered that the machines seem to be rigging the vote somehow and the ballots seem to be disappearing somehow. And how does that relate to each other? One would have to ask. Because it's like they got through the first two stages of their three-stage rigging, right? Right. They got the machines to give them the um, votes that they want, right? Those who are rigging it. They got the election workers, apparently, to vanish the paper ballots that were for the candidate that they did not want. Uh, Part three, which they didn't get to, was the ballot dump of unlawful fake ballots that would have um, supplanted, uh, replaced the ballots that were tossed in order to make it match the machines, is what I think. Uh, they didn't get that far and they didn't have to do it apparently because they'd done been found out. Now, when was it? On Wednesday, uh, we covered um, um, we covered a story about the ballots vanishing in Georgia, in Cobb County, in DeKalb County, um, and also in Fulton County. Uh, they had ballots, uh, 200,000, about 200,000 ballots vanished in Fulton County. Um, in uh, DeKalb and Cobb, um, it was half the ballots could not be found. And the election workers were scurrying around like crazy trying to figure out what it was. And you had Garland Favorito there. It was, it was a voter GA video. You had uh, Garland Favorito there who was kind of like, well, can we do an audit right now? And so, you know, they were trying to do what they could do. But of course, the election um, superiors there were stopping them. Now, just as I mentioned on Wednesday, when we're talking about the vote fraud being uncovered in Georgia, it does indeed have to do with these two poor, unfortunate souls, right? That is Brian, I can't smile Kemp, or I still got the smell of uh, stinky Abrams butt on my lips. And of course, the Secretary of Snakes, the Democrat in disguise, Bradford Raffensperger, okay? And uh, it's very interesting, you know, that we had a story just now previously with uh, another Secretary of Snakes uh, being eyeballed for possibly rigging their own elections. Well, it appears that Bradford has successfully rigged his own election. This still has to go before a hearing or a panel or a committee or whatever. But it's all out there in the blue, ladies and gentlemen. It's insane. Really, when you think about it, <laughs> so does this have to do with the? Uh, this ha- does this have to do with the um, the missing ballots? Yes, it does. But what it also has to do with is that when there was a count of the ballots versus a count of what the machine totals were, there was a discrepancy of fifteen percent, which means the voting machines added. of the vote to Bradford Raffensperger. Now, like I said, voter GA is the one who done discovered this and they have just been priceless in the work that they do in order to expose the fraud. So 
the primary elections for 2022 in Georgia should not even be certified. But the Office of the Secretary of Snakes is already doing everything it can to certify the election. Actually, you know, as of today, I don't even know if they certified it. But uh, let's take a look at the press release from Voter GA about this fraud. Keep in mind, they're not calling it fraud yet. But it does say new hand count evidence shows Georgia voting systems now have added 15% to Raffensperger totals. So never let it be said that karma ain't some kind of bee-och because Raffensperger, who's lied and lied and lied and turned all of the facts of election fraud into urban legends. It seems like he's getting his comeuppance. It seems like the universe was like, okay, Bradford Raffensperger, you want to assist and lie and... and um, disenfranchise all of the constituents, well, we'll have them focus on your race next time. Go ahead, Bradford. Try it. Try and rig that election, Bradford. The universe dared him, and Bradford just did not listen. And so now Bradford has to face the consequences. Will he face the consequences? I don't know. You might have to ask all of the rhino lawmakers in Georgia if they're going to do anything about it. Let's take a look at this um, press release. Uh, June 9th. Oh, okay. Awesome. We're current, guys. Voter GA Today exposed at their press conference a variety of voting machine uh, counting failures in the Georgia 2022 primary. Voter GA first presented an election night graphic showing Georgia's voting system allocated 3,317 votes to Fulton County School Board District 7 candidate who was not on the ballot. That same graphic showed candidate Phil Chen with zero votes at 10-12 on election night, even though he actually received 49.7% of the vote in the race. Chen has challenged the outcome of that contest. Voter GA also added more detail about the problems in DeKalb District 2 Commission race, where a hand count audit determined that the Dominion Democracy Suite 5.5 voting systems shifted thousands of election day votes from one candidate to another and selected the wrong winners to face each other in a runoff. They presented excerpts from a letter written to the DeKalb County Board of Elections by Voter GA co-founder Garland Favorito. It explained a variety of reasons that the irregularities could uh, found could be could be could not be solely attributed to a machine a candidate misalignment error after one candidate withdrew from the race. The massive discrepancies also appear to be attributed to a Dominion system counting error. But perhaps the most stunning news was the evidence collected from an audit monitoring team during the Cobb County Vining Cityhood um, hand count audit on Monday. The team monitored a majority of those election day ballots in the Vining 04 precinct that were being hand counted. The monitoring team decided to count the votes of incumbent Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, while the cityhood count was in progress. The methodology is documented in Mr. Fabrito's affidavit, which we will not look at at this time. 
The team found that Secretary Raffensperger received about 53% of the Republican Election Day votes for Secretary of State in that precinct. That would be in line with the statewide voting percentages that enabled him to avoid a runoff, except that the Dominion voting system awarded 68.4% of those same votes. Thus, the Dominion software attributed 15% more votes to Raffensperger's totals than to the actual ballot seam to show when monitors counted Raffensperger's, uh, Raffensperger's votes. So Garland Favrito says, We are concerned that the algorithm that appears to be adding unearned votes to Raffensperger's totals is running statewide. It is imperative that the SOS race be audited in all counties. That is why we filed open records requests, but to get an independent copy of the bank uh, ballots in all counties so we can verify the electronic results. The press conference also covered resistance by the counties to those open record requests and the intimidating threats written by the Secretary of State's office with intent to prevent the counties from making ballot copies. Crazy, 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 guys. So, this is this is pretty big information drop, ladies and gentlemen. This is pretty big news. Because now we're seeing it did have to be this way. It did have to be this way to ensure that we were secure. It just, it's taking longer than 2020. And, uh, well, again, I'll say it has to be that way. It has to be that way. But, um, you know what? That was pretty much like, you know, a, a pretty good general, a pretty good general statement regarding the entire matter. Why don't we take a gander at the um, press conference that was held by Voter GA and Garden Favorito? Uh, and uh, you guys will be able to see with greater detail exactly what was going on. So check this out. It's Garden Favorito, Voter GA at the uh, Georgia is a damn dirty cheating state press conference. Just kidding, we all know that's not what it was called, but either way, here we go. That brings us to the Fulton School Board District 7 vote count failure. Uh, here we have uh, the um, votes for this race and the actual vote totals. We're showing that final votes for Michelle Morance were 61.69 and for Phil Chen, 60.53. But if you notice on this graphic, which is also was on the Secretary of State's website uh, at this point in time, which is 10.12, it shows that the candidate, Phil Chen, 10.12, who happens to be here today, uh, got zero votes, but Linda Arnold got 3,317 votes and she was not on the ballot. So, let me ask Phil to come up just for a second here, because I know Phil has to take off and he's got some personal engagements to take care of. So what are we going to do about this? Phil has got zero votes. Linda gets not even on the ballot, 3,317. So what we did, Phil Chen has decided to file an election challenge contest. It's an election contest. And, and uh, Phil, can we step in a little bit? And that way... Um, in an election contest, the votes in doubt must exceed the margin of victory. Now, as I was showing you back there in the beginning, the margin of victory 
on the last in 2020 was 11,779. All of those discrepancies exceed the margin of victory. Now, fast forward, here we have a 3,317 vote discrepancy, and the difference in Phil's race was 116 votes, right? So as a result, Phil has filed this challenge. It has been, we have the file stamp copy today. I actually went on there with him because he is uh, uh, my school board representative, or hope to be, and, uh, and I, as a voter in that district, I feel that the voters need to step out as well and, and support the candidates. So Phil, I just want to say thank you for running. I really appreciate it. And we're behind you 100%. We're going we're gonna to try to, we're all, we, we just want to know the truth. That's right. we, we want to know the truth, what actually happened. And so we, we need to open those ballots and, and hand count that race. I want to move from there to the District 2 Commission. There was a major uh, counting failure in the District 2 Commission in DeKalb County. And this started off, most of you have heard or seen about this. Candidate Michelle Long Spears, who came in third, had no votes in the precinct where she and her husband lived. They had zero votes. So that's what, that's what started this. So as, as crazy as the last one in Fulton County, just, uh, we just talked about this one, uh, you probably didn't hear about that one, but this one you've heard about. This is how it started. She reported the problem to DeKalb County Elections Division, and they tried to run a machine recount and the, uh, using the Dominion equipment, and the machine recount failed. So finally, they decided to postpone the certification very courageously and do a hand count audit of that District 2 Commission race so that everybody would know the truth about that District Commission uh, 2 race. Now, in the meantime, I made an open records request for a copy of the ballots before they're sent to the clerk of the court and sealed. Right? We wanted to get an independent copy of the ballots, not ballot images, because we learned that the ballot images were electronically altered uh, in 2020 um, and for the Fulton County results. They were prior to the certifying of the Fulton County results. We, so we want an independent copy of the actual ballots. And I did this in DeKalb County in Cobb County and many other counties. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. So when the district did the hand count, the board did the hand count, here are the results that came up. Take a look at these results. We want to compare the uh, district two audit hand counted reports, which from June 3, which were the final numbers to the original results reported by the machines on May 24th. As you can see up there, Michelle Long Spears only had 1,000 votes in District 2, but in reality, she had 4,000 votes when they hand counted the results. The machine failed to count 3,000 of her votes, and uh, at least 1,500 of those were awarded to Marshall Orson, or maybe some 1,500 votes. Uh, and this is, we're just talking about Election Day here. So these discrepancies are so vast, they cannot be explained simply by uh, reallocation of the votes. I'll talk a little bit more about that. In total, the, according to the hand count audit, the machine just simply failed to count uh, 1,700, 1,800 votes, just flat failed to count them. 
with no explanation. So as a result, when the voting system, the Dominion voting system said that Marshall Orson should go into a runoff with Lauren Alexander, in reality, after the hand count audit, the uh, DeKalb County uh, Board of Elections found that no, Michelle Long Spears should have been in the runoff with uh, Lauren Alexander. So how did that happen? Let's recap. The district, the current system failed to count over 1,700 votes, actually 1,800 votes. Now, uh, that cannot be attributed to a ballot alignment mismatch. Now, you, what you're hearing from uh, certain quarters and elections officials that, oh, it was just a candidate alignment mismatch. One candidate got out of the race and the others were just kind of, it just threw it off. Well, that, as you can see, there are massive discrepancies across the board in every category, thousands of votes wrong. That is not attributable to a candidate alignment mismatch or a ballot definition mismatch. So uh, what you typically see in a ballot definition mismatch, one candidate's votes are given to another candidate, and then that candidate's votes are given to a third candidate. It's pretty clear. You can see that. And it's pretty obvious that that's a mistake that needs to be corrected. But in this case, it was not a mistake that needed to be corrected. It was many, many errors. So the, that, that, it, the, this uh, evidence doesn't, uh, doesn't match up and shows that there's a much more important uh, discrepancy in, in the actual um, results. So it cannot be explained by that. In addition, if you notice that the results carefully, a ballot definition alignment, a mismatch between scanners and BMDs, which show similar discrepancies for all in-person voting. But instead, these discrepancies are only extremely pronounced on election day, not on advanced voting. Therefore, that also is a clue that is not a ballot alignment mismatch. So in spite of the elections officials who are trying to tell you this, the actual facts and evidence do not support their claims. And they need to investigate what really happened and ensure that that does not happen on other races. So we wrote a letter to the uh, DeKalb County Election Board and explained all this. And I publicly made the same comments that are in this letter. I'm exerting a couple of, of points from this, and we will um, have this up for you to see a letter later on today at voterga.org on the press release tab. There'll be all, all this will be linked in. So the current, um, I think I've, oh, sorry, I've, I talked about this. What the letter concluded is that there are far more serious counting problems with the Dominion system than what this misalignment would indicate. It also explained that there is no single mistake that the DeKalb County staff could have possibly made to cause all those dramatic uh, election results differences, because a lot of those errors are outside the control of the staff. So since the voting system counting errors cannot be attributed to candidate withdrawal, it was imperative that DeKalb County audit other races to ensure that DeKalb County voters were in fact uh, assured that of the accuracy of, of the results that they were seeing. Um, copies of the ballots produced independently of the voting system is what we had requested of DeKalb County. And that are necessary to verify the results. 
of the races. You know, if you don't have the actual physical ballots, you can't verify the, the election results. And finally, because of this race, this has implications, dire implications, not just in DeKalb County, but statewide. There's something fundamentally wrong for this to have happened, and nobody seems to want to find out. So the final hand count audit was updated with the 419 additional votes that we uh, told, showed you that was accepted as the final count. The DeKalb GOP, uh, along with Tea Party Patriots, uh, uh, made a recommendation in a letter that more races be audited, which is exactly what should have been done. And one in particular, like the Secretary of State, they found a couple of local races as well um, that they thought should be audited. And the DeKalb County Board did not heed that letter. Uh, no other DeKalb County races were hand counted or audited to ensure the accuracy of the voting system. And then the DeKalb County Board went ahead and certified the results anyway over the objections of almost everyone who attended the meeting and made public comments. I'd say it was unanimous. And likewise, DeKalb County has never fulfilled my open records request for a copy of the ballot so that we can independently verify the results. So the results in DeKalb County, despite a certification, um, are uh, questionable, and that's, that's putting it mildly. The elections board has a paramount duty to ensure the accuracy of the election, but they were uh, intimidated by the Secretary of State's office uh, into certifying, and I'll explain a little bit about that uh, later on. They had a variety of threats. Okay, we're going to pause that there because it is like a 45-minute press conference and just wanted to zero in on the 15% uh, discrepancy uh, that's happening with the voting machines, right? It gave Brad Raffensperger a lift. And I was listening to an interview with uh, Garland earlier on another show. And boy, it's, it's crazy what is going on over there and the things that they're doing, guys. But um, this is, again, more steps in the right direction for all of us. And uh, Garland Favorito, ladies and gentlemen, he is the little engine that could. He just keeps on chugging along. Chugga, 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 Toot, toot. All right. So uh, definitely we'll be following that story because this is the first major story of fraud to break out from the 2022 primary. Um, even though, you know, if we had it my way, Pennsylvanians would be saying the same thing about their Senate race between Ahmet, I mean Mehmet and uh, Dave. So, all right. So that does that, ladies and gentlemen. Now, since we focused in Ontario County about Dominion voting machines getting kicked out and uh, the Dominion voting machines in Georgia seem to be adding 15% of votes at random or maybe not so random. Uh, let's talk about a story I have not yet covered and I think is rather fitting to follow these two stories. And that has to do with the Dominion Voting Machines report that has been released by CISA, right? I'm going to call them CISA because they're a CIS agency. No, just kidding. The Cyber Infrastructure Security and uh, Security Agency... <laughs> Um, uh, otherwise known as CISA, um, have finally, after many, many moons, released their report on the uh, culpability, the susceptibility of Dominion voting machines towards being able to be hacked. 
Now, uh, just, to add, just to say it right and out of the gates, their report determined that Dominion voting machines are absolutely susceptible to um, being hacked. They are totally vulnerable to a cyber attack um, and uh, they are not 100% secure and infallible as some people would have you believe. Now, we here at the C-Report, and by we I mean uh, you all and myself, already knew that, right? We've been following the stories of the Dominion voting machines since the days of yore, ladies and gentlemen. For ages and ages, it has been known by patriotic awake American that the um, voting machine cannot be trusted to... Uh, not be infested or infiltrated by crazy evil technologies with unknown uh, agendas. Well, I think we all kind of do, guys. But um, finally, Sisa says something about it. Now, just to give you guys a little bit of backstory on this um, matter. Uh, just to give you guys a little backstory on why Sisa even decided to re do a report. Okay. Well... Some of you guys, not all of you, but some of you, might remember an individual by the name of Professor J. Alex Halderman. Now, for any of you all who have been paying attention, J. Alex Halderman was hired by Democrats long about the year 2016 to investigate and write a report on Dominion voting machines to see if they were vulnerable to attack. So, Professor J. Alex Halderman, funded primarily in chief by Stinky Abrams and the Democrat Party of Georgia, got to work finding out about Dominion voting machines. Now, what do you guys think the impetus for that investigation and report was? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it was exactly for the reason so that should Professor J. Alex Halderman discover that Dominion voting machines indeed were susceptible to attack, that they could use that report against President Trump in the event that he secured his seat in office for a second term. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Professor J. Alex Halderman gets to work doing this report and he finishes it. And the results of the report are so astonishing that they are sealed by an Obama-appointed judge in the state of Georgia. Then comes 2020. And there is evidence of massive election fraud throughout these United States of America. And then there is a panel of lawyers who fight earnestly with every ounce of their being and with every bit of knowledge that they have been imparted with that go to court and they do declare that the Dominion voting system machines helped rig the election of 2020. And then that Dominion Voting System Machine Company, otherwise known as Dominion Voting Systems, unleashes 
a perilous onslaught of, of uh, lawsuits for defamation with billions and billions and billions of dollars tacked onto it. And the lawyers lose. And now they are facing, still facing their days in court. So, ladies and gentlemen, the moral of the story is... I didn't even tell you why Sisa is involved. Okay, so the, here's the reason why Sisa is involved. Because after all of those lawsuits came out, and then other states and counties and townships started doing their own audits, like Antrim County, like Maricopa County, like Otero County, like Mesa County... They all proved that there was fraud, but yet we still have people on the hook, including Fox News, OAN, and uh, all the others who are being sued by um, Dominion, um, because um, they were defamed and hurt beyond reproach by the lies that they said about their voting systems. Poor, poor Dominion. So word gets out about this J. Alexander Halderman report. And what happens is people try and get this judge to unseal the report. So the judge reviews the report. And the judge is so taken aback by the information that is in this report from Professor J. Alexander Halderman that she sends a copy of it to Sisa. So Sisa says, well, judge appointed by Obama... I guess that um, it would be okay to release the report, but first, we need to do an investigation and do a forensic search in these machines and see if what we find, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency, if what we find matches what J. Alexander Halderman's report found, just to be sure before we let the public know what happened. So the judge says that the uh, report shall be remain sealed except for the copy she's sending to Sisa and pending the findings of Sisa. They'll see what they're going to do with the J. Alexander Halderman report, again paid for by the Democrats, that proves that the Dominion voting system machines can be hacked and are not secure and are vulnerable. Which, with this information coming out, Unless uh, the judge who is overseeing the um, trial of Mike Lindell, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, OAN, and the likes. Unless that judge is exactly like the unselect committee, he will pay attention to the fact that a federal agency just released a report that says these machines are susceptible to hacking, which should mean that they were not defamed by any of the defendants in those uh, litigation proceedings. We'll see how that goes. Something tells me that Sisa is going to keep Giuliani and Lindell and Powell on the hook. But nevertheless, Sisa releases a report that says, oh yeah, Dominion voting machines are susceptible to hacking. Let's take a look at the report. And uh, here it is, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Whether you want to read it or not, you will. Vulnerabilities affecting Dominion Voting Systems Image Cast 10. 
This advisory identifies vulnerabilities affecting versions of the Dominion Voting Systems Democracy Suite, ImageCast 10, which is an in-person voting system used to allow voters to mark their ballots. The ImageCast 10 can be configured to allow a voter to produce a paper record or to record votes electronically. While these vulnerabilities present risks that should be mitigated as soon as possible, CISA has no evidence that these vulnerabilities have been explo exploited in any elections. Hold on to that thought, right? Exploitation of these vulnerabilities would require physical access to individual Im ImageCast 10 devices access to the election management system, or the ability to modify files before they are uploaded to ImageCast 10 devices. Oh, that's right. What you would need for that, CISA, are, I don't know, Wi-Fi's and modems. Oh, and let's not forget, maybe the wrong software that all of these counties, including in New Mexico, and including in Georgia, and including in Michigan, and including in Arizona, have been using for their elections, the wrong software. Not only that, software that is not protected, software that does not have a firewall, software like image, uh, like um, Election Suite 6 from Microsoft. Yeah, we've been through this before, guys. We've been through this before. Um, it says jurisdictions can prevent and or detect the exploitation of these vulnerabilities by diligently applying the mitigations recommended in this advisory, including technical, physical and operational controls that limit unauthorized access or manipulation of voting systems. Many of these mitigations are already typically standard practice in jurisdictions where these devices are in use and can be enhanced to further guard against exploitation of these vulnerabilities. Affected products. The following versions of the Dominion Voting System ImageCast 10 software are known to be affected. Other versions were not able to be tested. ImageCast 10 firmware based on Android 5.1 as used in Dominion Democracy Suite. Voting System version 5.5-A. And uh, ImageCast 10 applications versions 5.5.10.30 and 5.5.10.32 as used in Dominion Democracy Suite voting system version 5.5-A. Uh, note, after following the vendor's procedure to upgrade the ImageCast 10 from version 5.5.10.30 to 5.5.10.32, or after performing other Android administrative actions, the ImageCast 10 may be left in a configuration that could allow an attacker who can attach an external input device to escalate privileges or install malicious code. Instructions to check for and mitigate this code are available from Dominion Voting Systems. Any jurisdiction running ImageCast 10 are encouraged to contact Dominion Voting Systems to understand the vulnerability status of their specific implementation. Um, let's see here. Improper verification of cryptographic signature CWE-347. The tested version of ImageCast 10 does not validate application signatures to a trusted root certificate. Use of a trusted root certificate ensures software installed on a device is traceable to or verifiable against a cryptographic key provided by the manufacturer to detect tampering. An attacker could leverage this vulnerability to install malicious code, which could also spread to other vulnerable ImageCast 10 devices via removable media. Uh, mutable attestation or measurement reporting data, CWE-1283. The tested version of ImageCast 10s 
on-screen application hash display feature, audit log export, and application export functionality rely on self-attestation mechanism. An attacker could leverage this vulnerability to disguise malicious applications on a device. Hidden functionality. The tested version of ImageCast 10 as a terminal emulator application, which could be leveraged by an attacker to gain elevated privileges on a device and or install malicious code. Improper protection of alternate path. The tested version of ImageCast 10 allows for rebooting in Android safe mode, which allows an attacker to directly access the operating system. An attacker could leverage this vulnerability to escalate privileges on a device and or uninstall and or install malicious code. Now, um, Dr. Professor Clements said in Michigan that the machines had the capability to reboot remotely without a screen turning on or the computer making a noise so you would never know. And it appears that they have discovered that through this reboot, an attacker could directly um, access the operating system. Fancy that. Path traversal slash file directory. The tested version of ImageCast 10 can be manipulated to cause arbitrary code execution by specific, spe specially crafted election definition files. An attacker could leverage this vulnerability to spread excuse me, spread malicious code to ImageCast 10 devices from the election management system. Execution with unnecessary privileges. Applications on the tested version of ImageCast 10 can execute code with elevated privileges by exploiting a system level service. An attacker could leverage this vulnerability to escalate privileges on a device and or install malicious code. Authentication bypass by spoofing. That sounds nasty. The authentication mechanism used by technicians on the tested version of ImageCast 10s is susceptible to forgery. An attacker with physical access may use this to gain administrative privileges on a device and install malicious code or perform arbitrary administrative actions. Incorrect privilege assignment. The authentication mechanism used by poll workers to administer voting using the tested version of ImageCast 10 can expose cryptographic secrets used to protect election information. An attacker could leverage this vulnerability to gain access to sensitive information and perform privileged actions, potentially affecting other election equipment. I mean, would they really need all of this when the password to get into their election management system is password? and everyone has the same password for all functions. Isn't this crazy how many vulnerabilities I've already read through? Like, the Dominion voting systems had this many vulnerabilities, according to CISA. Here's apparently the last one listed, origin validation error. The authentication mechanism used by voters to activate a voting session on the tested version of ImageCast 10 is susceptible to forgery. An attacker could leverage this vulnerability to print an arbitrary number of ballots without authorization. I wonder why an attacker would need leverage to print an arbitrary number of ballots without authorization. Jesus Louises. This is crazy, guys. So, uh, yeah. And it goes through. So, researcher. Researcher. 
J. Alex Halderman, University of Michigan, and Drew Springle, Auburn University, reported these vulnerabilities to CISA. And those are the vulnerabilities that they found. And then it goes through a list of mitigations, recommendations for them to take regarding these... Um, uh, regarding these uh, uh, these uh, vulnerabilities that were found. We're not going to go through the mitigations, guys. We're not going to go through the mitigations. Um, so they find all of these things, of course, and of course, you know exactly what the legacy media reports. Legacy media reports, United States finds no evidence Dominion voting machines were ever exploited. Now, I'm not going to read through this article. I just wanted you to see that even though CISA found that there was vulnerabilities in these machines, which means we now know what was in the J. Alex Halderman report, right? They still say that there were no exploitations of the 2020 election. My answer to that, of course, is did you do an audit of the machines that were used in the election? Or did you just pick up some rando Dominion voting machine from the warehouse and then, you know, poke it and prod it until you found out what the answer was? So, well, there you have it. Um, but once again, ladies and gentlemen, we do like to hear it from the horse's mouth, right? Mm. Hey, you hold your roll, Alex. Okay, but with that in mind, <laughs> Thanks a lot, Alex. You made me look like a jerk. Um, I have found this um, this uh, speech, this talk, this discourse by J. Alexander Halderman, uh, where he is talking about the vulnerabilities of all voting machines. And he actually takes the audience right through it. So uh, we're going to sit back a spell and give Mr. Professor Alexander Halderman a few whiles uh, to describe the cyber insecurities of voting machines and um, what that means for us. Ladies and gentlemen, I think this came out around 2019. Okay. All right. That is the year of Target. All right, so this is J. Alexander Halderman, guys. This is the infamous J. Alexander Halderman of whom we hear so much about, uh, whom Stinky Abrams hired to uh, expose election fraud to hurt, uh, you know, Republicans or Trump, if you want to be specific. Um, but yeah, let's, let's uh, see what he has to say. It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. How vulnerable is election infrastructure in the U.S. and in other countries that rely on computer systems to collect and count votes? Well, I can give you some examples. So um, this is one voting machine that's used in, in uh, many parts of the U.S. now. It's called the Diebold AccuVote TSX. And this machine is near and dear to, to my heart because... Back uh, when I was a graduate student many years ago now, um, uh, about, uh, uh, about, about 13 years ago, I was part of the team that did the first hands-on study of any electronic voting machine used in the U.S., and it was using exactly this machine. And, and what we found, well, we, we, we got one of these machines from a whistleblower, brought it into a laboratory, reverse-engineered it, and, well... Here, here's the result of what we found. We, we would run a mock election with uh, George Washington and Benedict Arnold. 
just like this. And um, wanted to know, well, if an attacker could get malicious software into the machine somehow, could they change the results? And what we found after reverse engineering the machine was, well, yeah, there are actually a lot of problems with it. All the records of the vote are contained in, um, in computer memory. And um, an attacker can manipulate the software that's supposed to be running in the machine in a pretty straightforward way. Before every election, um, officials program the machine with the names of the candidates on the ballot by uh, installing some programming with a, a removable memory card. If, if the attacker can infect the card, well, um, there are a number of different ways that they can change the software running in the machine. There are uh, unauthenticated software update mechanisms, there are buffer overflows in the code that reads the data files from this. There's even an interpreted programming language and the rules for how the votes will be counted are contained in an unauthenticated program contained on the memory card. So through any of those means, an attacker Aha, I caught it. There was an ad in here hiding. Okay, I had the, uh, I clearly had this thing on pause for too long. Okay, just a mere minute. Okay, there we go. All right, back to Mr. Halderman, Professor Mister. ...can change the software running on the voting machine and cause the machine to produce whatever election results they want. So that was in about 2007, we, um, we, we published the first paper about this. In subsequent security studies of the same machine and other ones, um, researchers have found dozens of critical vulnerabilities and buffer overflows and so forth. There have been hundreds and hundreds of pages of technical reports about US voting machines like this. But even after that, these same identical machines that I showed you, this same model, is still used in parts of 18 states. And in most of those states, they haven't even updated the software since before the studies I talked about. That's how bad it is. And it's not even just a single model of machine that's the only problem. Um, across the country, there are about 52 different models of machines. They, they fall into essentially two styles, ones that scan a piece of paper or ones where the, vote, uh, the voter just interacts with the touch screen. And many of them have been analyzed now by researchers uh, looking for security vulnerabilities. In every single case where a US voting machine has been analyzed by, by competent security researchers, they have found vulnerabilities that would let someone inject malicious software and change election data. Every single case. Okay, well that sounds pretty bad. But that's just about individual voting machines. And of course there are, um, uh, uh, there are um, 100,000 or so voting machines across the entire country. How could you go from hacking individual machines to potentially compromising the result of a national race. Well, um, the answer is that there are three challenges that would possibly stop an attacker from compromising a national result. The first one of these 
is that, um, well, the voting technology we use in, in, in the U.S. anyway is really quite decentralized. States run their own individual systems. Um, uh, their, the machines are, um, are different in different places. And um, some states implement pretty good security. Other states implement basically nothing. So that sounds like that might help. At least there's not a central point of attack where you can get in and change every vote nationwide. But the fact is that in close national contests in the U.S., the result really only hinges on the result in a small number of states. You've heard about the swing states in any given election, the ones that are uh, really competitive. In such a situation, an attacker can, before the election, identify which states are likely to be close, try probing all of them in the way that the Russians did the voter registration systems in 2016, and just find the weakest swing states and attack there. So in this way, the American system converts um, uh, diversity of implementation into basically this patchwork of strength and weakness that gives attackers a menu of possible places to strike. It makes us weaker in close elections. Okay, so what's the second challenge? Um, the second challenge is that voting machines are not connected to the internet. This is something that you hear all the time in the US from election officials. Um, unfortunately, it's not actually true um, and many new voting machines come with um, uh, 4G wireless modems so that they can be connected to the internet from the polling place in order to upload the results faster. Now, to me, that sounds crazy. Uh, why would you want to put your voting machines on the internet right in the middle of the election, potentially at the most vulnerable time? Um, but let's just suppose that they weren't connected to the internet and older models are still are not directly connected to the internet and I think that's a good idea. But even when machines themselves are not directly connected to the internet, they're still not as far from internet-based attackers as they might seem. So I mentioned that before every election, Election officials have to program the voting machines with who's on the ballot and what are the rules for counting. Well, they make that election programming on a PC workstation somewhere, either at the, uh, uh, at the jurisdiction or at an outside vendor that does it for them. If an attacker can break into that workstation, which is called an election management system, they can spread malicious code to all of the memory cards used to program all of the voting machines in the jurisdiction. And those election management system workstations sometimes are connected to the internet or, uh, or the data that's programmed into them passes through an internet connected system. So we're just one or two hops away from an online attacker. Now, how well secured are these systems? Well, here's um, a vendor that did the election programming for uh, uh, a large fraction of my state in 2016. And we can just take a look at their website to see how, how secure this is likely to be. You can see, first of all, they don't have any HTTPS. Um, here are lots of nice high-resolution photographs of their warehouse in case you want to break in. Um, 
And perhaps most interestingly, here's their employee directory with everyone's name, job title, email address, and photograph. So if I wanted to break into this company, let's say I was the attacker, I'd probably start by forging an email from, let's say, Larry, the president here, to Sue, his administrative assistant, asking her to urgently open an attachment. Now, of course, when she does, that attachment has my malware in it. I have a, a, a foothold into their network, and I can try to spread from there to the election management system and to the voting machines in most of the state. All right, so um, targeted malware can potentially get to the voting machines. There's just one more challenge. So as an attacker, I have to deal with the fact that across most of the US today, and most of many other countries, there's now a paper record of every individual vote. So this is actually something that's been increasing rapidly in the US, the use of paper as a record of the vote. And that may seem retrograde, but in fact, well, paper is a really high-tech kind of defense. So think about other kinds of critical systems where life, safety, uh, major economic loss depends on the correct function of computer systems. If we can have a physical fail-safe, we absolutely want it. That's why if you fly on a modern commercial jet, well, it has a sophisticated satellite-backed navigation system, but also by international law, that plane also has to have a magnetic compass in the cockpit, just in case the computer systems fail. The same way um, in your car, you really, really want there to be some kind of physical linkage between the brake pedal and the brake, just in case. Well, in elections, that kind of physical fail-safe is a paper record of the vote that the voters saw that is going to be kept by officials later so they can check the result. That doesn't mean that uh, in, the, in the US system, that doesn't mean we get rid of computers entirely. We still have computers scan every one of those pieces of paper um, so that we can get a rapid count and so that old-fashioned cheating with the paper is less of a problem. Now, at the end of the day, we have uh, a set of computer files recording every ballot, and we have a set of pieces of paper recording every ballot. These are redundant records. And as long as we check to make sure they agree, well, it's going to be really hard to change election results and get away with it. You'd need to tamper with both kinds of records with a, a huge conspiracy. Now, how do you check to make sure that they show the same result? You don't have to look at every piece of paper. All you have to do is use statistical sampling. And um, you can do that efficiently with techniques that scientists have developed over the last 10 years that are called risk-limiting audit techniques. So with a risk-limiting audit, in a typical election, you might only have to review a few thousand ballots across an entire state in order to establish with 95% statistical confidence that the paper and electronic records show the same outcome. There's just one problem. Most states today don't look at any of the paper. They just throw it away unless there's some kind of federal lawsuit after the election result is done. So although they may have the ability, they will not in the normal course of business unless there's very strong evidence of fraud. Go back and check to make sure that the, any of the computer results are correct. So what this means is that tampering with the national election result in my country 
is easier than, well, easier than even I thought in 2016. I keep learning things that convince me that the situation is scarier than, uh, than, than even experts had thought. You identify the states that are most weakly protected and going to be close, target the computers that are going to program voting machines there, spread malware to machines to change a fraction of the votes, and then rely on the fact that most states, even if they have a paper record, are not going to rigorously use it to check that the computers are right. Was that not crazy? Was that not crazy? Did he not just describe everything we've been through? Did he not just describe everything that was done? Even down to the risk-limiting audits, okay? Which, that, that is BS, right? Statistically, let's just, uh, let's just pick a random one or two percent of the entire vote. <coughs> oh, oh, I'm back, I'm back, my bad. Okay, sorry, computer froze. Uh, just pick one or two percent of the entire vote, and well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You got yourself a stew going, right? No, what they have is um, the ability to um, severely, severely um, overlook actual fraud when you're looking at that limited amount of ballots, or if you're even selective on the race that you're going, and they do, you know, like for example, we uh, in Texas, what they do? They, uh, they chose like the, I don't know, like some random precinct judge in a city as the race to do their one or 2% vote on for the entire state. Not the governors, not, you know, uh, any of the uh, senators or, you know, congressmen or whatever, representatives. So yeah, really insane guys, pretty insane in someone's membrane, if you ask me. Uh, we're not, we're not going to watch the rest of this. I just wanted to show you the, um, I want to show you guys the vulnerabilities, which he knew back in 2019, had begun doing the research in what he say, 2006, 2007. Pretty insanity. Pretty insanity, ladies and gentlemen, it is insane. All right, guys, that brings us to a conclusion for tonight's C-Report. That was kind of fun, focusing in on these election uh, happenings, guys, as far as integrity goes and everything else. Um, yeah, what a night, what a night. All right, guys, well, I hope you all enjoyed the show for tonight. And, um, well, you know... Uh, We'll be doing it again next week for dang sure. Make sure that you uh, stop into the cereport.com and uh, give it a, ch a gander. Join the mail list. Um, you know, we got got a, a whole bunch of different things going on over there. Um, follow us at our socials, um, Truth Social at MRCTV and also Gab at MR underscore CTV. Uh, do please, by all means, make sure that you um, check out the podcast. And the podcast is available at uh, www.thec... Oh, wait, that's <laughs> that's the website. My bad. Uh, is available at anchor.fm slash the C Report, where you can get um, these shows on the go. You know, I hear it is a lot safer to listen to the C Report while you are driving than it is to watch the C Report. With that said, guys, I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, you know, do what you got to do and do it well. Uh, till then, guys, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you soon. Have a good night. Until then.